This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, oh yeah. Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Yes! Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who have finally solved the mystery of goalies and are going to get every projection right this time. I am your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me, as always, to break down every freaking goalie in the entire NHL, the fantasy hockey robot, the poobah of prognostication, the guru of goalies, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. And I'm going to squash that right away. Guru of goalies, no thank you. I can't handle that mantle. Uh, I don't deserve that mantle. Nobody does. It, find me somebody who has accurately projected goalies over the last 10 years, and I will find you uh, Nostradamus in hockey, the hockey version of Nostradamus, because as we know, goalies are voodoo, uh, but we're going to do our best <laughs> this year, as we always do every year. We at least give it the old college try in tiering goalies on our annual Schmore Goalie Sport episode, which we are very excited to present. If you're not familiar with tiering, we'll explain a little bit more about what it is and why we do it uh, in a couple minutes. But essentially, we're giving you a roadmap to follow in your drafts for, for drafting goalies, which should be a, a really daunting task. Ideally, you can choose not to draft goalies, which is something some couple managers have done. But if you do need to draft goalies, in all likelihood you do, we're going to give you a roadmap that you can follow to know who to draft and when uh, to the best of our abilities and knowledge. Right. Yeah. So like Brian said, it's obviously very hard to get it exactly right. But the reason why we tier, let's just get into it, is we wanted to help people decide, okay, should I draft a goalie now or should I wait a few rounds in my draft? And the general idea of tiering is if, let's say, we have 10 goalies in tier two, which, spoiler alert, we do, and we'll explain why, uh, what we're suggesting then is you don't need to grab the first goalie in tier two. Grab a skater in like round three of your draft, round four of your draft, you know, while people are starting to take those goalies. And then once there gets to be only like two or three goalies left in a tier and you think you are, are at risk of not getting at least one of them, that's when you jump. And that, that's the strategy we have of saying we have no idea who's going to be better between one goalie and another in a tier, but we're trying to at least predict like groups of goalies that will be better than other groups of goalies. And we're also going to go into a whole thing of some tiers are going to be like equal but different depending on what you're looking for. Like, Do you want more starts or do you want a better save percentage? So we'll try our best to break it all down. It's going to be a long one, so strap in because we're going through every goalie. Before we get to that, we've got a bit of housekeeping to do, a lot of fun stuff. 
stuff. So number one, DauberHockey.com. They present this podcast, and we're super proud to be able to say that every week. Uh, they still have their guide available for sale. So if you haven't drafted yet, you definitely want to go and get the Dauber Hockey Guide. It's super cheap. And once you download it, you just keep downloading it. They update it all the way into the season. You get a full write-up of every single team, predictions of who's going to be on what line. You've got a projection spreadsheet that you can use to help you draft. It's awesome. So DauberHockey.com. Check that site out. Okay, that's announcement number one of like five. Number two, we also made projections. And when I say we, I don't mean Brian and I. I mean the patrons of Keeping Carlson, along with Brian and I, the patron projection project, which we did over the past couple of months. And basically, we crowdsourced projections. We've talked about it on the show before. Uh, One thing that we said we would do is give a prize to one random projector to try to incentivize people to, you know, project every single day as we put out the next 10 players. So, Brian, I've got the big list of every single projection that anyone made in terms of like how many, you know, each person gets one entry for each projection they made and i'm ready to pick the big winner because we said we're going to give a big piece of cupful merch or keeping carlson merch so we're not talking like a t-shirt we're talking like a hoodie okay so this is huge wow. i'm ready to press the button on random.org and pick the winner okay uh can we have a drum roll please do your own provide your own drum roll as elon pushes the button randomize here we go number one nick eldridge Wow. Way to go, Nick. Hopefully your projections were actually good uh, so so that you contributed to the overall project. But thank you for contributing. Thanks to everyone. Elon, just out of curiosity, where did Nick rank amongst total contributions? Was he a likely winner or an unlikely winner? He had 12 entries out of, it looks like there was 25 possible entries. He did about half of the players, which is great. Thank you so much, Nick. Uh, get in touch. We won't reach out to you because we don't want to spoil the episode here. But uh, once you hear this, reach out to us and we're going to get your details. Send you a shirt. I mean, and if a we don't, that's not like an easy out either. If we don't hear from you in like a week. Okay, we'll, sure. Uh, we'll, we'll get in touch and not just hope that we don't have to send someone a hoodie and right. get away with it. I guess uh, there's so, a small chance we'll forget. But uh, okay, we'll figure that out. Okay, next, Brian, what's the next announcement we have to make? Okay, next announcement. Oh, this is huge. Elon. Keeping Carlson, remember how last season it wasn't just once a week? I do recall that. I only went once a week. Right. But we I, only we went <laughs> once a week. We had the big Sunday show, but we had the the beginning, the premiere of Ben and Lewis with their short shift show that happened midweek where you got those little hits, those little bursts of fantasy news and analysis and energy to give you that midweek advice, you know, how to react to those things that are just, you know, one or two days of action. What happens? How do you adjust? How do you adapt? How do you win your week still? Uh, short shifts is coming back. Woo! Uh, yeah. Uh, J- January 13th, I believe, Elon, is going to be the first time it's released somewhere that week. Like, right around the first night of hockey. I think they're recording on the 12th, and then we'll see how quickly we can push it out into our feed. But Ben and Lewis are bringing back short shifts starting January 12th or 13th, and we are so excited. So uh, you'll see a lot more action in your Keeping Carlson podcast feed coming soon. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So January 13th, for those of you that don't know, is the start of the NHL season. So it'll be a little season preview from Ben and Lewis. And then after that, we will be, uh, yeah, a couple short shifts every week to supplement our Sunday big show. And so, yeah, make sure you're subscribed to Keeping Carlson Feed, right? So you get all of these great shows that we're going to be pushing out all season long to help you win your league. Okay, next announcement. Uh, We also have our patron cast coming up. So if you're a patron, uh, it's like an Ask Me Anything bonus show. So you can ask Elon and I your fantasy questions, like your personal 
uh, fantasy questions about your own team. Uh, you can ask us stuff about the show, about life, whatever. And that comes out as a bonus episode for patrons only. Uh, so keep an eye out on our Discord server. Head to the channel. ask, uh, Post your question in there to get it answered on the show. And if you're not a patron and you want to be part of it, keepingcarlson.com slash patron is how you can get that delivered to your podcasting device as well. And then finally, uh, last announcement, and this is actually just a tease. Uh, our Cupful drafts are pretty much all done. There's one or two just lagging a little bit behind. The slow drafts went amazing. We had a lot of great feedback. So we're really pumped about that. Leagues are going to go up on Yahoo with free agency starting on January 6th. And the big announcement here is we have a we have a new grand prize for the Cupful this year. And we're gonna we're gonna reveal it in about 30 minutes time. But it's really exciting. Usually we send the winner a t-shirt, and of course you get ultimate fantasy hockey glory, but this year there's going to be a little extra incentive for those drafting in the Tier 1 auction draft, which will be broadcast live and released as an episode next week, uh, which we're really excited for. And the winner of that Tier 1 uh, ultimate fantasy hockey championship in the Cuckupful is going to get this mystery prize that will be announced in about 30 minutes. Yes. Okay. But nice tease, Brian. Also, by the way, we're, uh, we still have room for two more spots as of the time of this recording to fill the final cupful division. This is it. So, uh, if you hear this, uh, message us. If you want to get in, we'll let you know if there's still any spots available. Tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. But okay, Brian, let's get into the goalies now. So I guess we don't want to just jump in because that would be too simple. I'm sure we have a bit of a preamble. So, Brian, why don't you go in? I've explained a little bit about why we do tiering. So how about you could just jump in and say, how have you gone and like evaluated these goalies and come up with who you're going to put in each tier? I had my own way, which was a lot of gut. And in the end, I think we pretty much have agreed. Uh, but I know that you convinced me some things because you don't only use gut. You're a robot. So you had to look at some data. Yeah, well, I can't just only use gut. Anyone could only use gut. I guess anyone could also look at the data, too. I try and do the best of both worlds, right? And what we've learned about goalies is that you can look at all the data you want and still be completely wrong because it doesn't seem like NHL teams have figured out how to evaluate goalies, let alone fantasy hockey managers. But we're doing the best we can. Uh, so the way that I try and evaluate goalies, first off, just to get it out of the way, if your goalie categories uh, include wins, goals against, average, and saves, those don't necessarily mean, like, you don't, the goalie doesn't control that sort of stuff. The goalie doesn't control if their team wins more often than not. The goalie, more often than not, also does not control their goals against average. So if you're drafting with those categories in mind, keep in mind those are team stats. So when you pick a goalie, you're essentially picking the team that they play for. So if you're going for saves, you're looking for a team that's defensively porous, or of course a goalie that gets a lot of a big workload. If you're looking for wins and goals against average, you're looking for teams that are going to win games and are going to shut down other teams. There's not a whole lot of control that goalies have been proven to have over either of those categories. The categories where goalies do have control, well, there's really just one that's counted often in fantasy hockey, and that's save percentage. That is the uh, that is the measure of a goalie's success and talent and individual skill level. The best or at least the closest you can get to it, given the traditional fantasy hockey categories. Now, there is a way to break down save percentage further. And one way to break it down and to really get a little more insight into whether a goalie is for real or not based on their save percentage is by looking at their five-on-five 
save percentage. Uh, we look at their five on five save percentage. The same reason that we often look at a, a skater's five on five shooting percentage is because it's the most common game state that a goalie plays in. So you have the biggest sample of minutes and it's also the most common, like a goalie plays at five on five, 90% of the season, right? So if they're good at five on five, chances are they're good all around. If they're bad at five on five, same difference. One piece that's taken out of the equation when you're only looking at that five on five save percentage is the shorthanded save percentage of a goalie, which really, really varies from season to season because it's a small sample. Goalies sometimes will only play 150 minutes, say, on the penalty kill. And really, they're just so overmatched, right? Goalies have an awful time on the penalty kill. Average save percentage on the penalty kill can be like 850 or 875, somewhere in that area. So you don't really want to, like, that would be one way. Like, if a goalie has a really great time shorthanded, that'll bump up their all situation save percentage and make them look better than they might be the next year because you can't count on that shorthanded save percentage following through to the next season. This is like the equivalent of a skater having a super high shooting percentage or a high power play shooting percentage or low, right? Same thing. So five on five save percentage boots out this really wacky sample of minutes that isn't representative of a goalie's ability generally because it's not so repeatable, but still does influence the overall save percentage number. So if you're looking at just five on five, you can get past that. Elon, you following so far? Yeah, I think that's great. Like the idea, I think, is also a goalie might have bad luck one year in that their team may have taken more penalties than average. And like that might not happen the next year. And that's obviously going to affect, like you said, Brian, it's a lot harder to stop the puck on the power play or shorthanded. So yeah, it makes sense. You're going to look at five on five save percentage to try to help you decide if a goalie is actually good or just had a good or bad season. I get it. All right. Is there more still? There's more. Oh, my God. Yeah, sorry. Well, you asked how I evaluate, and I think it's important to, to know the process. And I'm, I'll try and get through it as quickly no, as I No, I wasn't can. rushing. I said, oh, oh, my God, like, so cool. So oh, much okay. good stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, so if just save percentage or five-on-five save percentage, by the way, you can access both of those numbers uh, at Natural Stat Trick and Evolving Hockey. Those are the two main sources that I use to research goalies. Um if that's not statsy enough for you, five on five save percentage, then how about goal saved above average, which is a way to measure how well a goalie performs compared to how the average NHL goalie could have been expected to f- perform given the same workload. And the reason that we're interested in a measure like goal saved above average or expected save percentage, they're just two way, two different ways of measuring the same thing essentially is because it controls for the way that the team behaves in front of the goalie. So a goalie with a really great defensive team in front of them is going to have a high expected save percentage. And if they don't reach it, their save percentage might still be better than a lot of other goalies in the league, but they actually still underperformed compared to what the average NHL goalie would have done. And that's important information to know. So that's why looking at a goalie's expected save percentage or goal saved above average and trying to figure out, okay, uh, this goalie plays for Minnesota. Minnesota is a crazy good team at defending their goalie. Uh, did they actually do well? Like Devin Dubnik, in the season where he did bad for Minnesota, he did really freaking bad. And when he did really good for Minnesota, he did like actually average it looks really good. The actual number looks really good. And of course, that helped to in your pool. But 
This number helps us know if the team in front of the goalie changes or the goalie changes scenery, someone like Jacob Markstrom this year, for example, how is that going to affect them? Are they going to be able to withstand or or succeed in a new environment the way that they might have or might not have previously? Yeah. Okay. So, and obviously we've talked about this stat a lot. I've had some issues with how they measure it, not because I think anyone's doing anything wrong, just like we don't have like unlimited data. So there's some data that's not included in that. Like, I don't know. I think like the, how hard the shot was, there's not like people with a radar on the ice and an OV shot from the slot is maybe a different difficulty than another player shot from the slot. But yeah, people are doing their best to try to come up with the difficulty of these shots. And then you're going to use that to determine how good a goalie is. Of course, for fantasy, if the goalie's in the same situation as they were in last year, then probably it doesn't matter as much because they're going to get the same protection and but obviously yeah like you said this is very important for if a goalie changes scenery i'd imagine i'm sure you don't have this data right in front of you like bobrovsky when he was on columbus columbus is known to be a great place for goalies to be i'd imagine bobrovsky was protected more when he was in columbus than last year when he went to florida and i know his actual save percentage definitely took a hit and i think part of that obviously a little bit of that was just bobrovsky struggled i'm sure a lot of it was florida is just a really tough team to play goalie floor Yeah, Bobrovsky was very well protected in Columbus and not so much in Florida. Like, he's a big question mark for this year. He's actually a really intriguing guy to draft. But yeah, that's a great example of trying to figure out uh, a goalie who's in a great situation gets moved. Can he still be good? And so one stat we're going to, you're going to hear me reference a lot is Delta Fenwick save percentage. And I'm just going to break that down piece by piece. So Delta is the difference. Okay, delta means difference. And then Fenwick save percentage is a goalie's save percentage on all unblocked shot attempts that they face. So if a shot is taken and it's not blocked and it misses the net, the goalie gets credit in their save per- in, a, in their Fenwick save percentage for that. And the reason why is because it gives a goalie credit if they cut off an angle and they make it impossible for a shooter. Like if they make a shooter try and pick a spot and miss and miss wide, that really should reflect well on the goalie. So that's what Fenwick save percentage takes into account. And the delta piece shows the difference between what a goalie's expected Fenwick save percentage was based on uh, the quality of scoring chances and high danger chances that they face uh, versus their actual Fenwick save percentage. So again, the delta Fenwick save percentage is the difference between the expected Fenwick save percentage of a goalie and their actual Fenwick save percentage of a goalie. Uh, Of course, if their actual is higher than they're expected, that's great. If it's lower than they're expected, then that means an average NHL goalie would have beaten them had they taken all their starts and shots. Okay, and by the way, if you're listening to this and you're like, what is all this nerdy stuff? Like, I don't care. Just tell me which goalies are good. Like, Brian's just trying to give some flavor to how he came up with it, but you don't actually have to understand what he just said. If, <laughs> if, if it's like, you're like, I don't, like, you know, that that sounds complicated. I'm worried I'm, this show's not for me. Like, don't worry. We're just going to get to do it. But that yeah, Brian's just trying to give us the secret sauce there. So uh, are we ready to get into the goalie cheers now? Or is there still even more that goes into it? Well, no, after you say that, I don't want to <laughs> add any. I'll just mention quality start percentage is a great stat that's available. Uh, I usually go to hockeyreference.com to see it and it basically measures uh, it's actually really handy for fantasy hockey it measures how often a goalie is going to blow up your stats or historically has blown up your numbers Uh, quality start percentage it says uh, what percentage of starts by a goalie were league average save percentage or above and uh, really uh, 
you know, you can find two goalies who have a league average save percentage, but who come across it very differently. One example I often use is Ken Talbot, who has some real high highs and some real low lows in a season. So his quality start percentage is bad, and that might win or lose you weeks uh, single-handedly. Like, he could blow up your numbers anytime, or he could win you weeks, whereas there might be some more steady Eddie kind of players out there who will just sort of give you that average save percentage more mm. often than not through the season. Um, so that's quality start percentage. And then, of course, the other thing that we're putting into this, and Elon, you already mentioned is deployment like and like this is a gut feel thing too uh how often is a goalie going to play it's not as cut and dry as it once was we've seen a a very uh doesn't feel gradual shift anymore the shift is pretty much complete from having a, a steady one and two goalie to having 1A, 1B, or a tandem straight-up situation, or a shaky number one who has a backup challenging. So we're going to take uh, context and deployment and, and inter-team competition into account. I should have said intra-squad competition into account when trying to tier these goalies. Elon, that's everything I put into it. Uh, and it's all going to amount to nothing more than if I just rolled dice. So, <laughs> no, no. so there's that. Now, Lewis in the chat said, Brian, you're doing the work so the listeners don't have to. That's it. This Brian's explaining all the work he's done for us for this episode. Now I'm going to be the Philistine and say that uh, one reason to not like just rely on the numbers is there's obviously other things that go into trying to predict how a goalie will do. So a couple things that came to my mind is like, obviously if a goalie situation has changed, then it's really hard to rely on their past numbers. And I'm not only talking about if a goalie has changed team, I'm also thinking like Carey Price, for example, never had a backup before. So he's always been worked into the ground and I'll bet you that's affected his numbers. That's what like Arpan Basu said in my beat writer interview with him. And now they have Jake Allen. I think the plan is they're not going to have to play Carey Price as much. Like last year, it was basically they either play Price or the Habs guarantee lose the game. And this year, they're hoping, at least, that they're going to be able to play Price a normal amount, and maybe that'll help his numbers. On the flip side, you've got someone like Tuka Rask, who last year had, uh, you know, Zdeno Chara, uh, Tori Krug on the team as defensemen. You know, maybe Boston is hurt by losing, like, two defensemen and not really replacing them. And so you might think, okay, maybe Krug won't be able to do as well, even though he's on the same team, but it's, like, a different situation. So obviously there's that. Uh, And then also the other thing I'll just point out, and then we're finally going to get into it, I'm also thinking about if a goalie is like newer to the league and they're evolving. I don't know how much I want to base their early numbers on. So like an example I think of is like Tristan Jari. You know, he'd never had a starting role before. Then last year, he was like awesome at the start when he started playing. He overtook Matt Murray. Then uh, he kind of sputtered towards the finish line. And I feel like you could have two completely opposite narratives if you want. You could say, yeah, he was just lucky to go on that run at the start. Teams figured him out. He like, he's probably not that good. Or you could say like, okay, this guy was his first time being a starter and now he's probably learned a lot and he's going to take those learnings into next year and now he's really going to be able to assert himself. And so it's like things like that make it really tricky to rely uh, wholly on these numbers. But like we're going to do our best, like Brian said. We've got the numbers, we've got our guts, we've got our knowledge of how we think the tandems are going to work out. So here we go. Okay, so tier one. And so this is what we're going to do. We're just going to go through each tier and tell you who's in there. And the idea, again, is like, we're not saying how good goalies are compared to the other ones in their tier. We're just saying that like any goalie in a tier we think could be equally valuable to you. Oh, we should also say that we're talking about like a fantasy league that counts like wins and save percentage, let's say, right? We care about how many games they'll win and we care about how well they'll do because that's like standard. And some leagues count gold against average or saves or whatever. And you'll obviously have to adjust. We're kind of looking at the big picture where you want to have a good team. You want to have a goalie that like plays a lot, obviously, and you want to have a goalie that's going to get you a decent save percentage. Tier one, we've got one goalie there. And honestly, Brian, it's not the goalie that we think is the best goalie in the league, right? 
No, it's it's not. I would not say, can I name him? Yeah, go for it. I would not say that Andre Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the league. However, I will say that he's the best combination of being a likely above average goalie on the defending Stanley Cup champion team, uh, a team that has been strong for years and looks to be I know Kucherov is injured, but I'm going to say it just as strong again this year. Uh, he's in a dream situation on a, on a dream team, and there's really no reason to be concerned about drafting Andre Vasilevsky. We should also mention that this Tier 1 is ever-shrinking. I think uh, two seasons ago we had three goalies in Tier 1. Last season we had two. It was Vasilevsky and Freddie Anderson. And this year Vasilevsky stands alone, which means next year we won't even have a Tier 1. We're <laughs> just going to leave it blank. Yeah, basically what we're saying here is of all the goalies, like every other goalie we're going to say, there's like at least a little tinge of doubt that they might not be the best. Like, it, like I don't think actually Vasilevsky will end up being the top-ranked goalie in fantasy. Like last year, Connor Hellebuck was the top-ranked goalie in fantasy through a lot of metrics. But I think Vasilevsky is like the most likely to like be in the top five. Like I'll be very surprised if he's not in the top five. And so that's like a guy you could just draft and know like he's got you. He's going to get a lot of wins. He's going to be a, like above average for save percentage. He's going to play a lot. Like it's not like Curtis McElhenney is going to steal starts right so it's just like it's everything you'd want in a goalie in fantasy so if you want to reach for a goalie i would only do it for vasilevsky yeah he's officially the least worrisome goalie in fantasy hockey which is really if you're drafting a goalie all you want right you just want a guy that you can start and not worry about and really this season vasilevsky is the only guy not that he's a superhuman or outstanding goalie uh he's not he's like probably a league average goalie roughly, but he plays for Tampa. Harsh. And so like, you know, he picks up wins maybe two thirds of the time that he plays, or maybe that's a little high, but see, he picks up wins all the time. Uh, and his team protects him so well. Tampa known so much for their offense had the fourth best goaltender protection at five on five last season. So that's a really great team to be playing behind someone who can protect you that well and also generally give you the run support you need to pull up a win, even if you're not playing your best. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little harsh to say he's like league average. I think he, I think most people would agree he's like above league average, uh, not but me. like not, not the best. This one. Oh wow, average. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, it's hard to get into the NHL. To be an average goalie in the NHL means that there's half of the goalies aren't as good as you. So all right, yeah, fine. Uh, so okay, so now let's get to tier two. So these are all goalies that you know Brian and I would be very happy to get on our fantasy teams. We have to get into strategy of like, is it even worth it to reach for tier two or wait for tier three? I'll t- be honest. Like in a lot of leagues, unless goalies are like really overvalued. I might skip tier two or like wait until they're all drafted. And, you know, some people might not use our tiers and might start drafting even goalies in tier three and then hope to get the last one. Like, I'm not rushing to get any of these guys because, like I said, all of them have little flags. But these are, I think, the next goalies that we think are like pretty reliable to like play a lot get you some wins, give you decent numbers. And Brian, this is maybe, like you said, our smallest tier one, maybe our biggest tier two. We have 10 goalies that honestly, I'm having a lot of trouble picking and choosing between. So we just threw them all in. And you might even end up saying that some guys in tier three might belong in tier two. We had to cut it off somewhere. So we've got 10 goalies that we're going to go through that we're considering basically equal, all things considered, in terms of like trying to pick a goalie that you can rely on almost as much as Vasilevsky, but not that much. 
Yeah, and by the way, I could keep just talking about how Vasilevsky is average at best, but I guess that probably isn't what you want for the show. You talked about Tier 2, and what we're looking for in a Tier 2 goalie is someone who is definitely number one and is either on a great team or themselves is a great goalie. And both of those terms are like fluid and exactly how they can be interpreted because of how big we made this tier, just because of how uncertain goalies can be. And we're trying our best to be as certain as we can. And here's what we came up with for Tier 2. We have in Tier 2, in no particular order, Tuka Rask, Freddie Oh, Anderson. you're going to do the whole thing? No, come on. Let's start doing one at oh. a time. Let people oh, okay. like enjoy the, the run here. Okay. Let's well, start with the I stop. already said Tuka Rask and Freddie Anderson. So why don't I just stick yeah. with that? Sure. Let's do two at a time. Okay. So Tuka Rask, uh, by the way, had one of his best seasons in a long time last season, uh, was almost at the top of the table in five-on-five five save percentage. So way to go, Tuka Rask. Of course, the one red flag we have for him this year is that Zdeno Chara is gone. He's played like his whole career in Boston with Zdeno Chara eating uh, anywhere between 21 to some nights 26, 27 minutes. Of course, it wasn't always that much, but like regularly playing 25 minutes for a lot of the time that uh, Tuka Rask has been in net. And while Chara might have not been his most effective defensive self anymore, one, that doesn't mean that he's not effective. Still probably at least a top four guy in the NHL, maybe still a top pairing capable guy at the age of 42. But also, I think there's a lot of communication and rhythm needed between goalie and defenseman. And when you're losing a guy like Zdeno Chara, who you played with for, like I said, between 21 and 27 minutes a night over the last decade, uh, it's going to be weird adjusting to some new players and getting used to each other's tendencies and habits. And I'll say the same thing for Tori Krug, also leaving Boston. And while Krug isn't known to be the best defensive player, he still played a lot with Tuka Rask. So maybe Rask knows, okay, this is where uh, Tori Krug kind of blows it sometimes. So I'm going to compensate for that and be prepared for this. And Rask just is going to be navigating. Like It's not like they have brand new defenders in Boston. He probably knows them. It's just going to be a different balance of the way minutes are are deployed and how exactly Rask is going to work with that. So I just think the system in Boston is going to change, and that's going to be something Tuka Rask is going to have to navigate. Right, but we are still putting him in Tier 2, and I guess the reason is because, A, the guy had a 929 save percentage last year. He's clearly, like, a very, very good goalie. Uh, also, Boston's a very good team, and maybe you can argue that this year might they might not be as good. Maybe they're looking a little more human, especially, like, if Pasternak's going to miss time, and, yeah, with Krug leaving. But I still think they're, like, a very good team. Uh, also... Normally, we would, like, dock Rask because he plays less than a lot of other starting goalies because Bruins like to give Halak a lot of time. Like, if it's a three-game week, for sure, like, Rask isn't going to play more than two games in a row. And sometimes they even, like, take turns every, like, a bit, you know, uh, it's like 60-40. So I, but this year, actually, I think I'm not going to use that as a measure for any of these goalies just because, you know, there's a bit of a condensed schedule. And like Brian said, a lot of teams have been going more to tandems or 1As, 1Bs. So I feel like what Boston is doing is going to become more and more regular which means rask like you know all of a sudden his games played rank won't look as bad compared to other starting goalies so that's why i'm not docking rask like i normally would and that's why i feel like all said and done like maybe there's some red flags like brian said but i thought you'd be you'd be very happy to have him on your fantasy team like he's going to be reliable he's a good goalie he's on a good team he's going to play a starter's amount of games so we had to have him in tier two 
Uh, next up, Brian, you already mentioned Frederick Anderson on the Leafs. Uh, Anderson had a down year last year, right? 909 save percentage. Uh, now he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So I w- I've always like wondered if maybe like they give Jack Campbell a chance to get some starts. But, you know, that's just like a pie in the sky kind of thing. Like, I don't actually think it'll happen. It's just like a possibility. Like at the end of the day, Frederick Anderson is their number one goalie. And the Leafs are like a good team. Like they're one of the best offensive teams. They're so deep up front. Uh, they brought in TJ Brody, which hopefully the reason they did that is to try to help with the defense and to help Frederick Anderson. So hopefully that'll work. I think TJ Brody's a really good defensive defenseman. So at the end of the day, again, there's some red flags, but you can't go too wrong picking Frederick Anderson. Even last year when he had a 909 save percentage, he still gave you 29 wins. I'll bet you he was still helping your fantasy team a decent amount, except for in those weeks where he blew you up when he had like a couple bad games. But overall, I think Frederick Anderson still earns a spot in tier two. Agreed. Yeah, and it's funny because Anderson had a very different season than Tuka Rask last year, right? Tuka Rask with a 941 5 on 5 save percentage. We're putting them in the, him in the same tier as Freddie Anderson with a 914 5 on 5 save percentage. For reference, about 923 was average last season. And that was actually uncharacteristic for Freddie Anderson. And, and I wonder if the coaching change and sort of I guess you can just blame Leafs fans want to blame Tyson Barry for a lot of it. Uh, and, you know, not just having the right defensive tools in front of him. That, that might be the reason Anderson struggled as the team sort of shifted personnel and system with the transition to Sheldon Keefe. Uh, however, the two years before that, you can't just say he was benefiting from Mike Babcock's system because he performed uh, above what you'd expect the average NHL goalie to do. In fact, in 2018-19, his Delta Fenwick save percentage ranked in the top like a handful of goalies in the league. So Freddie Anderson has shown us in the last, in two of the last three years that he can outperform uh, by a decent amount, uh, just an average NHL goalie. So I expect he's still got that in him this year, but even more importantly, he's on a great team that should be able to put up a whole lot of wins. Uh, one thing I guess to be a little concerned about, and it's funny, usually we don't spend so much time talking about what to be concerned about in a tier two goalie, but I guess we'll just mention right now uh, that whole North division could just be like the Wild West in terms of goal scoring. Like there could be like six, five games every other night or even every night. Uh, it'll be very exciting to watch if that's the case, but it makes me a little nervous to own a goalie who's going to be starting a lot of games in that division. Yeah, and we still have two more goalies to go in that division. So maybe we, let's mention those. So another goal that we put in tier two is Carey Price on the Habs, who, yeah, like he also had a 909 save percentage last year, just like Frederick Anderson. So another guy that you might question why we put him there. But of course, we saw in the playoffs what Carey Price can do when he's on top of his game. Plus, we saw that the Canadians seem to be capable of shutting teams down. Plus, I love everything the Canadians did in the offseason, including, like we mentioned, uh, bringing in Jake Allen to hopefully be a backup that, you know, some people think of like when the team brings in a backup, now it's like, oh, not as good in fantasy because now Carey Price won't play as much. But trust me, you don't want Carey Price playing so much. I'd much rather him play 10 fewer games and bring that save percentage up by 10 points, get that up to 919 instead of 910. A lot of people still say he's like one of the best goalies in the world. And... I like him. I, I Maybe this is a mistake. Maybe this is me loving Carey Price too much and remembering how awesome he used to be, but I still have some faith, so I'm happy to have him in Tier 2. And then the other Canadian team goalie that, again, this might be the Wild West because they're going to be playing the Leafs and the, you know, the Oilers and the Sens, who are probably going to open things up. But uh, we put Jacob Markstrom in here. He's in a new situation in Calgary, but... 
again, like Markstrom just had such a good year last year. I know his 918 save percentage doesn't look like much, but I'm pretty sure Brian's going to blow us all away with all this Delta Fenwicks and all like how he did compared to how he was protected. Like everyone is drooling about how great Jacob Markstrom was. He goes to Calgary, like uncontested starting goalie. Uh, Big save Dave is like, forgotten at this point like obviously like Riddick will play some but I think Markstrom is clear the starter his contract indicates that uh, the Flames brought him in the Flames are like should be a good team like they were a playoff team last year uh, they had some struggles that I know Brian you've said in previous podcasts might have been due to some bad luck and like you know so if Gaudreau and Monaghan and you know Giordano like if all these guys kind of bounce back to what we think they can do Calgary should be a good team so we had to put Jacob Markstrom and so that's two more goalies that we're throwing into tier two in Price and Markstrom so you could uh, make your comments on them okay uh, first off I'll start with Jacob Markstrom who I feel like might be this classic example of a guy that was underrated for so long that now he's actually maybe a little overrated, which I know you weren't expecting to hear from me tonight on the show, Elon. But if I look at his numbers over the last three seasons, they're perfectly good. They're not insane or amazing or anything. They're just good. Like they're just a a, a smidge above average, both at five on five save percentage and in his Delta Fenwick save percentage. And there is something to be said for being consistently a little above average. I think with Markstrom, there's still just that question of upside. Like how high can he go? Have we truly seen the best of Jacob Markstrom? You would think with most NHL players, we've seen their best by the time they're entering their age 31 season. However, uh, we can't necessarily say that about goalies because goalies don't seem to follow any kind of aging curve that we've been able to identify. One reason to like Markstrom more this year than last year, even going beyond the possibility that he has more to give, is that he's going to Calgary who were sort of like a mid-range team at protecting their goalie last season. Uh, But Vancouver was terrible. 28th ranked in expected goals against per 60 minutes. Uh, They were only ahead of Anaheim, Winnipeg, the Rangers, and the Blackhawks in being able to defend their goalie at five on five. And that's something that Markstrom has been fighting for the past few years, essentially ever since he became a starting goalie in Vancouver. He's faced a lot, a lot, a lot of shots and has never really gotten credit for the work he did because he had 9-12 save percentages the two years before this past year's 9-18, where it's like, oh, oh yeah, he works hard every night and he put up still a very good save percentage. So I'm curious to see if this year Jacob Markstrom might be able to just inch up above a 9-20 save percentage, even just by virtue of holding his own game steady and then being able to benefit from some better defensive coverage in Calgary. Yeah, I like that. And I hope for the best. Not a guarantee, obviously, because it's a new situation. And so I don't like to bank 100% on new situations. But he seems like he's really good. Should be a good spot for him in Calgary. Though you did bring up the North Division and how it might be the Wild West. But we put him there. It's too late. Uh, Carry Price. Well, we don't, I guess we don't have to go too deep into every goal. I'll but just, obviously, yeah. whatever ones you want. <laughs> yeah, I'll just go real quick on Carry Price saying that I'm not like, Elon, you're really convinced that he's a safe goalie play? No, I'm not. I mean, if, if I was really convinced, I'd put him in tier one. I think he's like, I think he's good. Yeah, well, no one's in tier one. So I don't know that you <laughs> would put him in tier one if you were really convinced. 909 last year, 900 uh, two years before last, and 918 in between. And of course, uh, 
before all of that, just huge, steady, fantastic save percentages that he's never really been able to get back up to. So I'm concerned that two of his last three seasons, including the most recent one, don't look really great when I look at the measures I usually use to to evaluate goalies. However, uh, I'm keeping an open mind. I still think he has that extra gear. And there's that X factor of having a real backup this season that maybe lets him play at 100% health more often or 100% rest. I think having Jake Allen to spell him is going to be a big upgrade on the nobodies he's had behind him in recent years. Yeah. Plus, also, I think Montreal might be rostering one of their best teams they've had in the past few years going into this season. Like, they brought in not only Allen, but, like, uh, Josh Anderson, Tyler Toffoli. Like, I think Montreal is going to be a decent team. Like, I think they'll be good for wins this year, which gives Price a boost when, you know, for a couple years before that, he was, like, a great goalie, but on, like, not the best team. I think next year, the Habs, I don't know, I I don't want to get too excited. Like, you know, I know Habs fans are already ready to you know plan the parade but i think that they're looking good going into next year uh so that's why we have price here all right so uh, we've done what four goalies out of the 10 <laughs> in tier two okay. uh, very by the way all these will be available they're actually available right now at keepingcarlson.com slash goalies uh but if you're listening live don't don't spoil yourself but yeah we, we set it all up there for you to look at our goalie tiers. So you don't have to be writing this down furiously so once again keepingcarlson.com slash goalies okay let's go to more goalies in tier two uh so this is a guy that i think in years past brian we might have even considered putting him in tier one uh but now we've learned our lesson that a goalie really has to prove themselves for us to consider them like a lock but uh, robin leonard looked so good last year on chicago who was like a weak defensive team now he goes to vegas well he's already been in vegas and he's been great there so it's like a great team that we expect to be one of the best teams in the league so you'd think like a guy's gonna get you know a lot of wins because he's on a great team a guy who's had like an amazing save percentage over the past couple of years, 920 last year, again, with most of the games on Chicago, like you have to really let that sink in. Uh, I guess a uh, downside is maybe Vegas wants to still give Flurry some games. They're paying Flurry a lot of money. Also, I think they'd love if another team took Flurry off their hands. And I think the only way to do that is to showcase him a bit and give him some starts. But regardless, obviously we didn't put him in tier one. And I think we wouldn't have even if Flurry wasn't there, just because I think he'd have to prove it for maybe one more year. But I would have. I would love to have Robin Leonard. Like, again, I won't reach for maybe any goalie just because, like, you know, in a league that we're drafting together, you know, we could have had, like, one of the top goalies and we took, like, Steven Stamkos, you know? And then we still got Markstrom a few picks later. So that's kind of, like, the way we're going. But if there was a goalie I could have in Tier 2, like, if all of them fell, I'd love for it to be Robin Leonard because he's just looking like such a good bet for next season. Yeah, I'm on the record as saying Robin Leonard is the best goalie in the NHL. Like, the actual best. If every goalie uh, played in the exact same situation, I'm convinced that Robin Lehner would would come out on top. Uh, He did it in Long Island, where, you know, protection was great. And uh, then he took a one-year... Prove, prove myself contract in Chicago of all places, which really concerned me. But yeah, he proved himself. He's the real deal. He's looking like his uh, blue chip prospect self that we saw way back when in Ottawa. And of course, we know, uh, like he, she was very open about his, his difficulties with uh, substance abuse and like is out on the other side of that and is just uh, crushing it now that he seems to be 100% ready and healthy to play every night. If he did not have Flurry behind him, like if he had Malcolm Subban, like Flurry's had in past years, I would have no problem on Vegas putting Laner in my top tier. So if Flurry does get injured or get traded, then Laner would join Vasilevsky for me. Ah, uh, 
I don't know. Uh, not for me, because uh, I'm just not ready to do that. But either way, we like Robin Leonard, so he's great. Not much more to say. Uh, Carter Hart, we've put in this tier. This is like a, a situation where he's like a young goalie that I feel like, you know, Brian's going to reference some numbers and maybe even, I'm guessing, say that he hasn't been like maybe as good as the hype has indicated. But he's still been pretty solid. Uh, but combine that with how Philly is a really strong team and combine that with him being an uncontested starter where Brian Elliott is just there to let him rest. Like there's no chance that Philly has any plans of letting like Elliott challenge the net. You know, they're going to give Carter Hart tons of leash, even if he's struggling. Uh, so it's a great situation, great team. And last year had a 914 save percentage, but he's super young. So I expect he's like working on his game and still getting better. So he's another guy I'd be like super stoked to get if uh, I could get any of these goalies in the tier two. You don't have to worry about me talking smack about Carter Hart. I, li- I like him. He actually, he had a five-on-five save percentage that was a little bit below the league average. It was 921 last season. But here is where Delta Fenwick save percentage shines and tells us he actually still outplayed his five-on-five expected save percentage uh, by uh, decimal 031 or like 31 save points. Uh, is what I'll call it, you know, if you add that to a save percentage. So that was, uh, that's outstanding. That's really good. Oh, great. Uh, like in about the top 10 goalies by Delta Fenwick save percentage measure. So that's really great. I just want Philadelphia to be really good this year. And they can be. Um, their record last year, like they were really strong towards the end, really weak at the start. So I think it all probably evens out. But they are one of the teams with the biggest discrepancy last year in wins and wins in regulation or overtime, which means that they had five wins that came in the shutout, which is like not necessarily the most repeatable circumstance. So you kind of can attribute those to coin flips and think, oh, okay, maybe they weren't quite as good as their win-loss total showed. But I actually think they probably were because they had a really rough start to the season and they protect Carter Hart uh, still reasonably well on the whole. So yeah, go out, get Carter Hart. He's a fantastic number one fantasy goalie option out there. Yeah, plus I think Philly like should get better, I would think, just by looking at their players. Like I don't think they have too many players that are going to fall off a cliff. Like If anything, Giroux already kind of fell off last year, and you would hope that he could even bounce back from what he did last year. And then you look at the young players. you got Morgan Frost, Joel Farabee. Uh, plus, oh, by the way, Oscar Lindblom is you know fully healthy. He's going to be back. He was a big minute eater on defense. They have Travis Sanheim, like, who's coming up. Like They brought in Eric Gustafsson, so we'll see how much he can help. So I think Philly's like looking like they should be at least the same, if not improved, for next year. So just another reason to like Carter Hart. Okay. Okay, uh, who do we got else in this tier? Okay, we have Jordan Binnington, who we're putting here, I think, mainly because St. Louis is such an awesome team. Like, not that Binnington's bad. Last year, he had a bit of an average year, but we've also seen the highs that he can have. And it was just like, I know that there could be an argument to put him in tier three because he had that weak playoffs. He only had a 9-12 save percentage last year. But at the end of the day, like, I'm happy to have Jordan Binnington. And I know there might, I think we've even said on the show, like, oh, I wonder if, like, a Vili Husso might challenge it. But, like, let's be real. Like, it's Binnington's net. Like, he's their starter. St. Louis is going to win a ton of games. Uh, you know, they're playing a ton of games against, like, LA and Anaheim and Minnesota. You you know, like they're in a pretty sweet division. Like there's some tough competition in that division, but there's also some really easy games. And so, uh, yeah, we had to put Bennington here, I think. It wasn't an option. Yeah, I had this weird hunch going into last season that Bennington was not going to be as good as he seemed to be. The year before, as a rookie, where he played a small number of games, it was incredible, stood on his head, uh, but he proved me wrong. So there's no reason that I can see to dislike Bennington, like you said, based on his division and his team and also his numbers. Okay, and the final two. So we've already said Rask, Anderson, Leonard, Hart, Bennington, Hellebuck. Oh, we haven't said Hellebuck. Okay, uh, we have Connor Hellebuck in this tier as a goalie that actually Brian 
was considering maybe putting in tier three. And to be honest, he's not the only one because I actually asked uh, goalie expert William Nadeau. You recall he came on the show a little while back and we talked through some goalies for this coming season. And he also mentioned that he thinks that it might be the case that Hellebuck might be a little high in tier two, which sounds crazy, right? He's the reigning Vesna winner. who's probably the most valuable goalie in fantasy last year. He's like, and he is like, he's a really good goalie. The problem is this team, like he bailed out the Jets last year. I'm, I'm excited for you to tell me like where they ranked. I, from everything I've heard, they were like one of the worst ranked teams for defense in like a lot of these metrics. 29th or, in the league. Yeah, so they're they're terrible. And like, so obviously if Hellebuck could stand on his head again, it's great. And like, it's amazing for fantasy, right? Because he got so many saves because they were just like a sieve. And so his save percentage like skyrocketed. He ended up with this 922 save percentage and got 31 wins, like most valuable player in fantasy and most valuable goalie in the league, according to people who voted on the Vesna Award. So like, he definitely earned everything last year. Still kind of scary to draft a guy who like, if, if he slips a little bit, all of a sudden, he could be getting pummeled, you know? And so, like, I look at, like, a guy like Miko Koskinen, who we're not going to have in Tier 2, and, like, yeah, Hellebuck is in a better, like, is a better goalie, I think, but they, he might be in a worse situation, so you have to sort of balance that out. The good thing, obviously, for Hellebuck is there's no backup that's going to challenge. Like, Laurent Brossois is the clear, clear backup. Hellebuck is the clear, clear starter. They're going to play him as much as they can. So, um we're putting him in tier two. I think it would be crazy. Like, I feel like it would almost be like weird not to. Like, it would be too hot a take. Like, I wouldn't want to have to defend that take all over Twitter tomorrow. Uh, but I'm not reaching for him. Like, a lot of leagues he's going as the first or second goalie taken, like either him or Vasilevsky. I'm not like, you know, fine if he falls to me in like round five, which won't happen. I'll take him. But like, basically, I'm not recommending to draft Hellebuck where he's anywhere near where he's being drafted. Yeah, he's not someone I'm reaching for, even though he's going to be at the top of a lot of draft lists and a lot of like auto draft lists, especially. I'm okay to let him be and not have him be the tier two goalie I end up with. And the reason is just because he's been so up and down in his admittedly short career, but he came into the league as a rookie, 22 years old, 918 save percentage in his first 26 games in 1516. It's like, okay, here we go. Next season, 907 save percentage. His first year as a start. And it's like, okay, maybe we should be worried. The next season, uh, 924 save percentage and over a 60% quality start percentage, which is fantastic. Okay, here we go again. 2018-19, back down. He had a 913 save percentage, which uh, was not as good as an average goalie would have done in his place. And then, of course, he stands on his head in the most recent 1920 season with that 928 5-on-5 save percentage and the second best Delta Fenwick save percentage in the league behind only Anton Hudobin, uh, who didn't play as often as Hellebuck. So Hellebuck had an amazing season last year. And the question is, can he repeat it? And I I truly, like, he's going to need to because Winnipeg doesn't seem to have brought in a whole lot of reinforcements on the back end. And like you said, Elon, they were terrible defensively. And Hellebuck basically had to be a Vesna Trophy winner for Winnipeg to go anywhere last season. He's going to be tasked with the exact same thing again this year. And I guess we're just going to have to find out if he's for real. I haven't seen so much that I can be sure he's for real. And I'm scared to own him or to manage him on my roster knowing that he's just going to be thrown to the wolves night in, night out in all likelihood. So for that reason, uh, yeah, he's in tier two and could very well live up to that tier two standing, but he's not, he's still a risk. Yeah. 
Like, he's like, I'd be happy to have him on my team, just not, like, second round draft pick in my draft, right? So, like, if he falls to the end of Tier 2, I'm, like, loving it because he has such a high upside like we've seen. But, yeah, just he seems, like, a bit potentially overrated. Okay, so a couple more goalies. Here's another guy that I think, I guess I had to argue with you a little bit to get him in Tier 2, but I'm happy to have him here. And then, actually, the last guy that we have, I'd be willing to move to Tier 3. But first, let me tell you about the guy that I'm happy to have here that maybe then you could tell me why you were a little bit nervous. But Igor Shostyorkin, to me, like, I'm sold, right? Like, he was awesome last year with the Rangers in 12 games. I know, it's only 12 games. You can say small sample size, 932 save percentage. He also played in the AHL that year, 934 save percentage there. Before that, he was in the KHL for a bunch of years, always above like 930. Um, I guess a potential knock against him is he's never been like a high volume starter. Like you look through his KHL seasons and the most games he's ever played is 39 games. And now going to this year, we expect him, if we have him in tier two, he needs to be like, you know, a starting goal. Like Georgiev is the backup and he's a starter. And I think that's the case. I'm not too worried, though. Like, the Rangers also aren't the best defensive team. So all that said, there's, like, some risks, but there's also, like, such a high reward, as we've seen, because, like, a Hellebuck last year, like, if you play on not such a great team, but you're, like, an amazing goalie, you can end up being, like, the top goalie in fantasy. And I think for that stretch, when, well, whatever he played, he probably was the most viable goalie to own on that night last year in fantasy. So for me, I couldn't not have Shostorkin in Tier 2. Maybe he's a bit of a risk just because, again, small sample size, but, uh, you know, I'd be willing to take him here for sure and if like all the tier two is running out and i think i could get someone like shestjorkin is someone that i'd rather have than any of these tier three guys that we're about to get to shestjorkin is a guy that you and i went back and forth on pre-show about whether he belonged in tier two just because he and georgiev traded starts down the stretch uh, last season and even though shestjorkin was generally outplaying him they weren't turning completely to him in new york every night so What's going to be different about that this year? Was that just because Shostorkin was a rookie and still getting acclimated to the league, had to pay his dues, whatever the reason might be? Is that reason gone? Is it old news now and we can expect Shostorkin to get a a real number one starter's workload, even though Georgiev is still there in the picture? Yeah, I mean, first of all, like, also Shostorkin had that car accident. I'm not sure how that, like, factors in. I know he missed some time because of that and maybe Georgiev got some extra starts through that. I don't think it factors in a ton. Sure. I'm just going to say that, like, everything I've seen, every, like, other projection, every analyst is assuming Shostorkin is the starter. I haven't heard any, like, quotes from the Rangers coaching staff saying, like, yeah, we're going with a tandem. Like, everything I hear is Shostorkin is their guy. So I just, that's, yeah. so, yeah. but Brian, you've said another concern that maybe they're not going to want to play him a lot, which is what I said also, right? Like, he's never played a full starter's workload. Uh, but even if he plays 60% of the games, that's what I also expect Tuka Rask to do. And I really believe in Shostorkin's talent, so. And I don't think he's a... Yeah, if he was a tandem guy, we'd be putting him in a tier later on with, like, uh, the Columbus guys or the Islanders guys, right? But I think that he... Like, he's not Sorokin, right? Sorokin has Varlamov there. I think that's a 50-50 situation, or maybe Varlamov even gets more. I think Shostorkin, like, is the starter. Maybe he's not, like, the biggest volume starter like a Vasilevsky or a Hellebuck, but I still think he's closer to Tuka Rask than to, like, Sorokin this year. Yeah, it's very strange to have Shostorkin be an NHL goalie who were sort of proclaiming to be ready to be a starter. Never in his professional career has he played more than 39 games in a season. In fact, the other three years in his professional career, uh, 28 games in the KHL twice. And then I guess last season, you combine his AHL and NHL workload and he played 37 games. So yeah, I am curious to see how he holds up if you play all the games. Like if that, if, if, he even gets that extra workload, Elon. We still don't know how he's going to respond to it. And 
a night playing goalie for the Rangers last year was like playing two nights goalie for Boston or Columbus. Uh, the Rangers were uh, just one spot below Anaheim, ranked second last in the league and expected goals against for 60 minutes. They're going to be a better team this year. I don't know how much better. Uh, so Shazirkin has his work cut out for him. And I still maintain that like I want tier two upside is absolutely there. I think it, it might be taking a, a bit of creative license to throw him up there. Just assuming that he's going to be a amazing and B see like 70% share of the starts creative license. It's our show. We're allowed to do that. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, like, I just think he's worth it. I think he has tier one upside. I think he might be the best goalie sure. in the league. Like, like that's why I want him here. Like, it's I just possible. love him. Yeah. yeah, but so you're like, this is a very projecty. This is not using, like, uh, this is a, a, a gut call for you. This isn't using. Well, it is using all the numbers we saw. It's just a small sample size. But the small sample size was like so drool worthy that it makes okay. me feel like I right. have to have him here. All right. But, but you're banking on him being deployed in a way he's never been deployed before and his performance holding up with that added deployment. So we'll see if both things ring true. I don't think it's impossible. I'm just, these are just the reasons why I made a case to not include Shostorkin yeah. in the second tier. Okay, now I'm going to make a case to make this tier have only nine goalies, but I'm happy to leave it here because we've already agreed on this, but I'm seeing John Gibson we have here in tier two also. Yeah. He had a 904 save percentage last year. He's on a bad team on the Ducks. Like, we once thought of him as a really good goalie. The good thing is he's a starter. Like, you know, I'm he's going to play a lot of games. I'm going to stop you there. We okay. once thought of him as the best goalie in the NHL. I don't know if you ever did, but I did. He was a leader in Delta Fenwick save percentage for the two years before this last one. And in this last season, uh, he still didn't even underplay his expected Fenwick save percentage by a whole lot, uh, just a little bit below average. But Anaheim was a pretty hot mess. And we've talked about how there were a lot of changes, new coach, new personnel, new style, new system. And I think, I hope that a whole lot of the dust is settled and that Gibson can go back to doing what he has done for the large majority of his NHL career, which is being one of the best and most reliable starting goalies in the NHL. And you know what one point I'll give to Gibson that lets me agree with you and keep him in tier two is that uh, if nothing else... Anaheim plays the most off-day games once again, just like every year, right? So of the 56 games that they're going to play this season, they're going to play 36 of them on either Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Sunday. Actually, it's not the most. I'm just realizing here, Vegas has 39. So it's another reason to go for Robin Leonard, by the way, because the reason why this is valuable is normally in a fantasy league, right, you have two goalie spots. And so if you have three goalies and they're all generally playing on just Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, then you have a lot of times where you're just having to sit one of them and like wasting that start. But if you could have three goalies and one of them be Gibson or Leonard, then that means that you're going to actually get more of the total games that your goalies play, which means more points. And that's why an off day goalie is really good. So that's another reason to like Gibson. And by the way, a reason we should have brought up for Robin Leonard, who now another reason to argue to maybe put him in tier one, but we've already landed where we've landed and we have Gibson at the end here. Plus if your league count saves, you're loving it. Or if it's like a points league where you don't have a big hit for goals against, but you have a big reward for saves. And if that math works out, then Gibson's going to get you a lot of points just from the volume of shots he faces. Okay, that's tier two. Rask, Anderson, Leonard, Hart, Bennington, Hellebuck, Price, Markstrom, Gibson, and Shostyorkin. And we are saying that if you want to get one of these goalies, we would say don't reach for any of them. Wait for one of the last ones to fall. Get that one. Get good skaters with your earlier picks instead. Okay, so we've still got a lot to go about, Brian, but before we go into Tier 3, let's thank a sponsor for this week's episode, a brand new sponsor that I'm super excited about. 
We have a patron, JT, who reached out to us with this awesome company that he works for called Cool Hockey. CoolHockey.com, this is your source for buying hockey jerseys. And look, you're listening to this podcast. You're a hockey fan. You love the NHL and its players. You're going to want to make sure you look good supporting your team in a CoolHockey.com. They get that. That's why they offer great NHL jerseys at incredible prices. Whether you're a fan of the Ducks or the Jets from A to W, they have what you need to support your team. This team has been the number one online source for purchasing and customizing officially licensed NHL jerseys in North America since 1999. They care about quality, right? They ensure every product that leaves their doors is done to the exact specifications of the NHLPA. You're getting a mwah. You're getting a good jersey from Cool Hockey, and we are very happy to be promoting them on this podcast episode. That's CoolHockey.com. And here's the the big tease that I said was going to happen, I guess it's probably 50 minutes ago now, uh, that I said was coming in 30. But our couple grand prize is going to include a hand-stitched jersey for the winner, courtesy of coolhockey.com. And like, that's a really fantastic prize. This isn't just some like fly by night jersey making operation in, at coolhockey.com. Like, they're based in Toronto. Everything is hand sewn, the letters and numbers made in Canada. Any player, any team, any number. The uh, selection is incredible. Everything is licensed by the NHL using the NHLPA specifications. And CoolHockey.com has been around for a while since 1999, and that's why we are so freaking happy to have them offering this cacupful grand prize this year. This is officially the biggest thing that you've ever gotten, or the biggest tangible thing that you can put your hands on for winning the cacupful, which is a hand-stitched jersey from CoolHockey.com. They're also going to... uh produce the shirts for all our division winners and if any of this has interested you uh, like new season coming up you want a new jersey for it right uh, you can save 15 percent off right now on home and away jerseys at coolhockey.com using the promo code keeping carlson again the code keeping carlson gets you 15 percent off any home and away jersey at coolhockey.com you know, Brian, I'm in uh, tier one of the Cacupful, so I might win that jersey. Remember, we gave away a prize to the winner of the playoff pool, and then that ended up being me. So I might just take away all the prizes from all of our listeners. Well, but... that's I, that's uh, that's not very nice of you. Well, I'm going to try. I'm definitely going to try. <laughs> Maybe I'll give the jersey to number two as a consolation prize after I mock them. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah, it's really cool. Thank you, CoolHockey.com, and check it out if you want to buy a jersey. 15% off. What a deal. Okay, so we're going to tier three now. We've still got a lot of goalies to go. That's okay. We got all night uh so again uh we've already covered 11 and now we're going to goalies who tier three i guess it's still goalies who are starters right we haven't gone into backups yet and they're not like the worst starters like you'll notice that we don't have like the ottawa senators starter in this tier like it's still starters on teams that we think are decent or the goalies decent but just like we didn't we had to cut it off somewhere we think these goalies like aren't as good as the 10 that we just mentioned in tier two so we're going to start off with a guy who's probably the most controversial. Uh, William Nadeau told me to put this guy in tier two. I brought it up with Brian and he shot it down. So uh, here he is at the top of tier three at the very least. That's Ilya Samsonov, the new starting goalie for the Washington Capitals, who, just like Shostorkin, has come from the KHL. He's had good numbers. Uh, last year, he played like more games than Shostorkin. He played 26 games, but only a 913 save percentage as opposed to Shostorkin's 932. But still, Samsonov you know starting goalie on a good team in the Washington Capitals though I mean 
we've seen how the starting goalie on the Capitals did over the past couple of years in Braden Holpe. Not that great. So uh, I guess there's that reason and the fact that he's still new and hasn't proven himself. I, like a couple of reasons to not make him as good of a bet as, you know, your Robin Leonard's and Carter Hart's. So I'm, I'm good with it. But he's a guy who, if he falls, he's like a fun swing because Samsonov does have the upside to be like a tier two guy. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing with all these goalies, right? They all have the upside to be a tier one guy and the downside to be a tier seven guy. Samsonov, yeah, no. I shot him. <laughs> no. no it's, come on. Like the goalies, look at John Gibson last year, Carey Price in other years. Yeah, but tier seven is okay. going to have uh, like Laurent Francois. <laughs> Huge upside and downside for yeah. any goalie that you pick. Thank you for being overly specific. I'm just going to hit on that Washington piece first that you said about Braden Holtby not performing well in Washington. And I'm going to say that was more of a Braden Holtby issue than a Washington issue. Washington is uh, just on the lower side of mid-range in terms of protecting their goalie last season. But, like, they're they're good enough for Samsonov to be able to come in. And if he's a good goalie, succeed. Uh, I just haven't – we haven't seen – anything from him. We saw him come over in 1819 to North America, 898 save percentage in the AHL, which, you know, I've heard and I believe that you can't really ever judge a goalie by their AHL save percentage, especially if they're new uh, to a team or organization because they're usually being coached and trying out new things. And it's like, okay, for them to fail as they try these new things. Of course, he then had that 913 with the Capitals in 1920 last season. And like, I'm not saying I don't believe in Samsonov. I'm just saying I need to see him do something, anything at the NHL level before I really can buy in on him as being a goalie deserving of the tier two mantle, which uh, to be there, you need to be uh, someone who's a great goalie or is on a great team and i think samsonov and the capitals fall just short of great not saying they they can't be great but the way i see them both just uh just just a smidge less than great Okay, I will point out, when you say you need to see him do something in the NHL, he started his career with a 16-2 and record and a 925 save percentage. Then it kind of, like, fell off the end. So he has shown something, but you're not convinced yet. I'm okay with it. Will's here in the chat saying he'll pull the trigger every day at that price on Samsonov. Great buy low, I guess. And there you go. We're putting him at the top. You know, normally we don't have these tiers ordered, but here, at least for me, I have him at the top of tier <laughs> no, three. No, <laughs> that, that defeats the whole purpose of tiering. These tiers are not ordered. Well, clearly, I'm saying I, for me, he's on the border. Right. Okay. So you're then, saying he, you, you're saying you could put him up to tier two. Cool. Yeah, but not at the top of tier two. You know, so I'm I'm happy to oh have him God. sort of like you know right in the border. It's, he's tricky. Some of these goals are just hard to predict. Especially tiers the ones are that, flat. Yeah. Tiers are horizontal. Fair. All right. So let's go with the other uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. We still have seven goalies now to go through in tier three against starters that just are either aren't that amazing themselves or aren't on the most amazing team. Next up, uh, Mikko Koskinen on Edmonton. So Edmonton. Good-looking team, right? I mean, last year, they had one of their best seasons in a long time. Uh, like, they've got McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like, any game is, like, a good chance that they're going to win it just because their offensive superstars can overcome whatever that goes against them. You know, even if Koskinen has a bad game and he lets in, like, four or five goals, it's still a good chance that they'll still get the win because McDavid and Dreisaitl and RNH, they could just go off. Also, Koskinen is, like, not as bad, I think, as some people make him out to be. Like, you know, he came over, he started really well a couple years ago, then the Oilers gave him that crazy, like, four-year contract, and then he, like, immediately started to stink. And I think ever since then, he has that, like, air about him of, like, ugh, overrated, like, overpaid, not even that great. But, like, 
let's call a spade a spade. Last year, he played 38 games. He had a 917 save percentage. That's good. And maybe, Brian, you'll tell me that he, you know, overperformed some protection. But I don't know. Last time I checked, Edmonton's not known for, like, being the best at protecting their goalie. So I'm going to assume that a 917 save percentage on the Oilers is impressive. Your assumption is right. I'll just jump in to tell you that. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Yeah. And plus, okay, so Mike Smith is back as the backup, which is, you know, if I was an Oilers fan, I'd be really annoyed about that because I think they would be better off having, like, a really good tandem for Koskinen. And who knows, maybe Dave Tippett, who loves... Mike Smith will still make it a tandem, which I think is a mistake because Smith concerns me greatly and you'll see how far down we have him. So I hope that Koskinen is going to get a good share of the starts like maybe even more starts than last year because last year there was a stretch where they were going back and forth and even like a stretch where Smith was getting a run of games. Uh, so yeah, Koskinen, like decent enough goalie, I think, on a really good team. So that's why I like him here in tier three. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I, I don't think I have anything to add. Koskinen surprised me with how well he played last season. His five-on-five save percentage was about average, even though he played for Edmonton, who uh, ranked, let's see here, 21st in the league in expected goals against per 60 minutes, uh, like on the wrong side of that. So, uh, like, I guess if I were to say any reason to, to be concerned about Koskinen, one is that we've only seen a short spell of him doing well. And number two... That Edmonton blue line, it's nice that they're finally showing up their forward ranks, and I think that's going to helpfully wash out some of what their blue line looks like. But losing Clefbaum hurts a lot, and you look at the who's left on defense right now. Uh, Darnell Nurse, good. Ethan Bear, good, but young. Uh, then it's Caleb Jones, Adam Larson, decent top four guy, Chris Russell, and Tyson Barry, neither of whom can hold their own when they're on the ice. So it's uh, really interesting situation and sort of like a really fraught situation for Koskinen to be in. Uh, He's going to see a lot of action. And honestly, I just want him to be average. That's all I want from Miko Koskinen this year. And this year, unlike last year, I am ready to believe that he can deliver that. So I think Koskinen is like your classic tier three goalie here, where it's like, okay, not great, but should be good enough and is most likely the number one. Yeah. And hopefully the team bails him out sometimes when he has a bad start and, like, we'll still get a win. So, obviously, this really depends. Like, in the Cupful, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League that we always are talking about, uh, there's, like, not as much of a premium for wins as in other leagues. So, I would have Koskinen a bit further down in my list there. But in most leagues where wins have, like, a big chunk of the value, then that moves Koskinen up for me. Okay, here's the next guy is someone who actually we were going to put in Tier 2, then we kind of decided last minute. I, I guess I kind of acquiesced. And also, like, I, I don't know, he was also, like, kind of a borderline guy. I'm talking about Darcy Kemper, the guy who has the best save percentage. Actually, no, the second best save percentage of the people in this tier from last season. He was amazing, right, with Arizona. He only played 29 games. We had a 928 save percentage in that span. Uh, the reasons why we don't have him in Tier 2, I feel like we don't have to, like, say the reasons why he deserves to be here, because he's been great over the past couple of years. Uh, the reasons why we don't have him higher is, like, A, Arizona is looking not great. Like, they, you know, did make the playoffs last year, but now they don't have Taylor Hall. Like, I don't know, just everything seems to be kind of a mess. I don't know, I'm concerned about this team. Plus, he's got an injury history. He, he missed time last year with injury. Uh, also, Auntie Ranta, who also has a big injury history, but when Ranta's healthy, he's actually really good and should, you'd think, be at least a halak to Kemper's Rask in terms of getting a decent number of starts, especially since Kemper's so injury-prone. You'd think that the Coyotes would be smart to not try to ride him into the ground, try to keep him healthy. So all those reasons are reasons why I uh, was okay with leaving Kemper in Tier 3, even though he might have the best save percentage of all the goalies in this tier. 
in our show notes that we use to prep each show and do our research, Elon had put Darcy Kemper in tier two and left a comment next to him saying, if you fight me on this, I'm not going to let you. Like, he's going to be in tier two. You won't convince no. me otherwise. I think that was a typo. I meant to write, if you fight me on this, I won't argue. Like, I will. Like, I meant to say that if you fight me on this, I'm okay to move him down. Sorry. That's oh, not embarrassing. okay. I thought you were like, if you fight me on this, I'm not even going to argue with you. Like, you can't even like i won't have that conversation with you okay okay well then none of that really matters darcy kemper in the third tier again i agree with really everything you said elon two years ago i wasn't so sold on kemper even though he had great even strength save percentage numbers he hadn't really outperformed his fenwick is expected fenwick save percentage by a whole lot he seemed to be really benefiting from the arizona defense but last year the story was very different where he put up one of the league's top five on five save percentages while also putting up one of the league's top 10 uh, delta fenwick save percentages so darcy kemper proving to be the real deal so long as he can stay healthy and i agree elon like anti ranta is potentially as good as Darcy well. Kemper. Like, Arizona is spoiled <laughs> in net. They just have two guys who can't stay so healthy. So we'll see what the split is between them. I imagine Kemper is at least 1A. Uh, and I think he's going to be steady enough that you can probably count on him as a Tier 3 goalie. Yeah. I love how, like, I guess you go for it, right? Like, I always feel like you're going a little further. Like, when you say Vasilevsky's just average or, like, Ranta's just as good as Kemper. Like, I would say, like, he's he's closer to Kemper than people may realize. I don't know if I'd go that far. But that's fair. I mean, we used to think that Ranta was better than Kemper. And I'm sure you're going to throw... Well, let's not even get into it. Like, they both have shown they could be good. But, like, and Nick is saying Dom predicts the West will be a low-scoring division, so Kemper should be the same as last year. Like, yeah, but even if he is the same as last year, he only played 29 games. Like, the injury-proneness is a reason why I'm having him in Tier 3 and also the fact that fine he might have a good save percentage but that still might not lead to a lot of wins and that's a problem like there's going to be some games against some easier teams but he's also going to have quite a few games against like vegas st louis and colorado and those will be a little scary so uh next up here here's a goalie that i know will nadeau loves and would probably even consider putting him in tier two he wrote a whole article about how linus allmark why do people give Linus Allmark the respect he deserves? Because he's been awesome lately. Last year, he had that stretch when he finally like took over from Carter Hutton and just played a bunch of games. He was awesome. And unfortunately, he got injured when he was on this amazing run. Too bad. But now, you have got to assume he should be the undisputed starting goalie on Buffalo going into next season. And he's on a Buffalo team that I know we say this every year. They should be better. They should be good. Like, they got Taylor Hall. Like, Rasmus Stalin is a year older. So there's all the reasons in the world to believe that Allmark is going to be on a decent enough team, be the starting goalie, and he's shown that he can be a really good goalie. So we're not ready to put him in Tier 2 yet. It's going to be hard to imagine putting a Buffalo goalie in Tier 2. Hopefully it'll happen. Maybe Allmark will prove himself, and next year we'll put him in Tier 2. But here, I'm like, I'm happy to have him in Tier 3, and he's the kind of guy who, like, I could see falling lower than all of our Tier 2 and Tier 3 goalies, and you end up getting, like, a steal in your draft where you've gotten all these great skaters and higher rounds and you still land an Allmark and, like, a Koskinen, let's say, late. And I think you're you're laughing. Like, yeah, you could have, like, reached and gotten Vasilevsky and Carter Hart, but instead you'll have, whatever, Stamkos and Goudreau, or, you know, whatever, the skaters that make up for it. Yeah, Tier 3 is the last tier from which I'd be happy to have my fantasy team's number one goalie. And I actually probably would prefer my number one goalie come from tier three because there is upside here and every goalie is fraught with risk. So I don't know how much of that I'm really mitigating by drafting a tier two goalie over a tier three goalie. So I would happily 
uh, wait for tier one and tier two to be gone and end up with someone like Samsonov or Koskinen or Kemper or Linus Allmark as my number one fantasy goalie. Allmark is a guy who we called for a breakout two seasons ago uh, to overtake a weak incumbent in Carter Hutton. He didn't. He had a really bad season, but then last year he seemed to finally find his groove and find his game, uh, posting a, a pretty strong uh, above average five on five save percentage. Delta Fenwick save percentage was still like just a little bit above average, which is good. Like that's the right side of average, but it didn't show him to be anything special. That said, I don't need him to be anything special. Similar to Koskinen, it's like just get in there, be number one, don't lose your job, and be decent. And I'm going to like you a lot on my fantasy roster. So I still think there might be some upside from Allmark. Like you said, Elon, he was getting really hot and then got injured. And there might be uh, room for him to grow and get better from what we've seen from him so far. Keep in mind that Allmark is still uh, only heading in. Uh, actually, he's not that young. He's, he's heading into his age 27 season. But still, it's still like one of his first full-time campaigns in the NHL. And I'm hoping we'll be able to see a level from him that we haven't seen yet. But we don't, we're not sure it's going to happen. And that's why he's in Tier 3 and not Tier 2. Right, exactly. So I like him here. And he's a good guy that I'm hoping falls to me in any snake draft that I'm in. Okay, next up, uh, we got four more guys still in this tier three, which are starting goalies on teams that are decent or the goalie we think is decent, just not as good as tier two. Uh, So next up, Tristan Jari is now going to be the starter on Pittsburgh. They've gotten rid of Matt Murray. I know there's some Casey to Smith truthers out there, but as far as we know, Jari's got, they, re- they, you know, they extended this contract. It seems like the Penguins see him as their starting goalie now and can't argue with the overall numbers last year. 921 save percentage overall. Again, a lot of that is like based on his like starting performance when he sold the job for Murray and things kind of fell apart at the end. But also the Penguins had injuries. Like, there could be excuses. And like I said, at the start of the show, right, there could be like other reasons and you could put it both ways. You can say, oh, this is like a good sign for him for next year because he started so well and then you know maybe he just like needed some experience now or you could say that oh like other teams have figured him out and he won't be as good at the end of the day like a starting goalie on the pittsburgh penguins has always been worth your time in fantasy and the penguins are still going to be a great team i think so yeah tristan jari is someone that i'd be happy to get again there's red flags and that's why we don't have him higher but gotta have him in tier three yeah two completely different half seasons that we saw from Jari 938 in his first 18 games and in his final 15 901 it's like a huge huge difference in the quality of starts we saw from Tristan Jari that said on the whole he had a quality start percentage above 60 percent and the really great and the pretty bad all averaged out to being uh, an average goalie. So really, if that's the worst case scenario for Tristan Jari, like you said, he's on Pittsburgh, I think that's pretty good news. And I also, I guess I should just speak quickly to Casey DeSmith. Like, he's lurking. I don't think he's totally out of the picture, but it became apparent the way that Pittsburgh was making their goaltending decisions over the last couple years that Jari seems to be their choice to be the one to take the job. I don't think they're handing it to him on a silver platter, but he's going to get first crack and he seems to be able to be in a position to take advantage of that yeah though just a reminder like going into last season we were actually surprised that it was jari who made the team as the backup and not to smith because the year before when matt murray was injured it was casey to smith that had the job and he was awesome yeah there's a whole waivers thing though right Right. like they had to keep jari up because they would lose him if he passed through waivers so and like they made a decision somewhere else along the line that really showed they did not want to give up jari for nothing like they really wanted to hold on to him 
Yes, that makes sense. And yeah, so DeSmith has shown that he could also be good, which sh- could be a reason to think Jari gets fewer starts. But like you said, like all indications that he's their their guy in the starting goal, unless he like really struggles. Uh, next up, Cam Talbot, who's someone that I had to kind of convince you to not have even lower. But I'm actually pretty excited about Cam Talbot. He's another Allmark for me where I'm expecting him to fall in drafts. And I think he could end up being a nice get. Like, first of all, he had a good year last year with Calgary. Like, f- not that many games. He only played 26 games because he was the backup to Riddick for most of the time. Though in the playoffs, he did end up becoming the star for quite a few games well not that many because Calgary got eliminated quickly but you get what I'm saying uh also Minnesota is a team that you've talked about forever how they're so good at protecting their goalie so even if Talbot is just average then I still would expect him to have a pretty decent save percentage and I think Talbot like yeah he had a couple like rough years but overall he's had like a pretty good career I think he's shown enough that make me confident in him I think Minnesota's a good defensive team I'm not expecting like a huge number of wins but I think he definitely fits the bill here as like a solid goalie you can get and depend on especially in a league like the cupful where you don't have to worry as much about wins and it's more about like getting a lot of saves and having a good save percentage like talbot yeah right here for me like kind of the opposite of a koskinen in terms of like i don't think he's gonna get as many wins but i think he might have a better save percentage so yeah uh, camp talbot brian you argued a little bit i guess is it more because you don't love minnesota or because you don't love talbot it's because i don't love talbot uh, I think he's an average goalie at best who can have some really high highs, as I mentioned right at the top of the show. But I also don't think when it all washes out that he's going to be uh, any better than an average NHL goalie would be. But there is this X factor that he's going to Minnesota who uh, have a really strong decor, have historically uh, for many years now been one of the best goalies at protecting, been one of the best teams at protecting their goalie. However, that happened under Bruce Boudreaux who, as you remember, was fired in mid-February of last season. So Dean Evason, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, came in uh, to coach uh, for about a month, did well. Nothing really seemed to significantly change in the way that Minnesota played, especially the, the way they protected their goalie. But could it next year? Is is he going to have much of a different style? I, I don't know. I do think that Minnesota doesn't really have a choice other than to play that style, given the personnel they have. So that's reason to believe that they're still really going to lock it down around their goalie. And hopefully Cam Talbot will do better than Devin Dubnik did in the same position. So that's reason why I am okay putting Cam Talbot in tier three. If you look at him as like a just below average goalie on the best goalie protecting team in the league. Yeah, and I think he has upside to not be below average. Like, I think he's shown spurts. So, yeah, it could go either way. I guess one reason... But what are you basing be- that on? I mean, I remember he had that amazing season with Edmonton a few years ago when he was, like, one of the top goalies in fantasy. Then I know things got a little worse. And then last year, he was really solid. I remember we were talking on the podcast about how the Flames okay. should be playing Talbot because he's been so good. So my so- my most recent memory is of him being good. <laughs> yeah. And my, my like, strongest memory is of him being good. But okay. I do have other memories of him not being good. But the re- but the, if you frame that decision, it was play Cam Talbot over Dave Riddick, right? Like, he wasn't beating anyone amazing for okay. that job. And in the last three years, he's underperformed his Delta Fenwick save percentage each year, including last year when you thought he was doing pretty well uh, and pretty badly two years ago. So, uh, like, I just don't see a whole lot of reason in the last three years to imagine Cam Talbot is anything better than average. Like, so when you say there's this upside, that confuses me. That's fair. That's fair. Maybe I'm overdoing it. And also maybe another argument against him is that Kapokokkanen is the backup now. And so this isn't a, you know, a situation in Minnesota like a couple years ago when Dubnik thrived where the backup was Stalock 
and he was like just nothing you know like no one expected Salak to do anything like Kokkinen is like an up-and-coming prospect that I think the plan is that Talbot holds the net while Kokkinen is the backup and learns the ropes and eventually takes over I don't think that happens next year which is why I'm not too worried about Talbot losing starts to Kokkinen but obviously if Talbot struggles they do have another goalie that is a big part of the organization so it, it could always happen that Talbot could get Binnington or, or whatever you'd call it you know so uh yeah that's another reason to not be so high on him but I still want him in tier three yeah, and since you mentioned Alex Talak, we should mention uh, that he is uh, expected to play at some point this season, but that's the only timeline we have since uh, he had that upper body injury uh, that we learned about back in mid-December. So uh, just keep that in mind. If you are thinking of Talbot and Kalkinen at some point, Talak is going to come back in, and he was going to be at least part of a tandem as far as we could project going into the season. By the way, Patty bringing up memory lane here. Remember when Talbot was Lungfist backup on the Rangers? We loved him then. That was like when we started yeah. doing Keeping Carlson. And Talbot that- was great. I remember one time, I had this strong memory of, <laughs> of Lungfist getting injured and then Talbot taking over and my brother adding him in a league and like asking me if it was a good idea. And I was like, I think you nailed it. I think it was a great idea. And then he was so happy because Talbot did really well as the Rangers starter for a short time. It also reminds me of the time that Martin Jones did amazing as Jonathan Quick's backup. Yeah. And, uh, well, obviously things have gone differently. So I, you're being qu- you're being cute here. I get it. All right. Next up, we got two more goalies in tier three. One of them, there's a strong argument to put him in tier two because he's going to be the starting goalie at least to start the year. On when a Elon good team. says that, he generally means that he believes the goalie should have been in tier two. No, this is one that you wanted to put in oh, tier great. two, and I argued against it. Oh, perfect. So I'm talking about Anton Hudobin on Dallas, who is the goalie that had the highest save percentage in this year. Back when I said I thought Kemper was, it was like, no, Kemper had a 928. Hudobin had a 930 save percentage, not even to mention the great playoff run he had. And now with Bishop injured, Hudobin is going to get a shot at being a starting goalie for like the first time in his career. So you'd think, why not take him higher? Why not put him in tier two as a goalie on a good team that's had great numbers? Like, what's not to like? Uh, I guess for me, my two reasons not to like are number one, we've never seen him be a starter anywhere like or at least not in the nhl right and he's had a very long career so i don't know if he could handle a starter's role and also even if he can and even if he's great like uh it's- bishop is not out for the year like bishop is going to be back by like the end of march apparently according to the timeline from his surgery and when i'm playing fantasy hockey a big part of my draft is thinking about the fantasy playoffs i'm expecting my team to be good make the fantasy playoffs and so i don't want to reach for a goalie and like as a tier two goalie and then have him like help get me into the playoffs just for Bishop to come back. And then, you know, Hudobin all of a sudden is your backup and is a backup goalie in the fantasy playoffs. So that's why I couldn't put him in tier two, just because I want my tier two to be all goalies that I know are going to be starters from the beginning to the end of the year. And so Hudobin is a great guy to get, especially if you're in like a season long points league though again though i guess he could fall off at the end when bishop comes back but i don't know if you want help now like hudobin's going to be probably really valuable to you in the next few weeks and that's not to take away from jake ettinger who's the backup that a lot of people are really excited about like he's another heralded prospect and i think like i said there is that thing that hudobin's never really been a starter so i'm gonna be excited about ettinger when we talk about him i guess we could just talk about him now but still like hudobin's a really good bet for the start of the year until bishop is back yeah, if Bishop was coming back later or like in a Salah kind of position where we really didn't know anything, I think Hudobin probably would be a tier two goalie. Last season, he led the NHL in five on five save percentage by uh, a really, really comfortable margin, 948 mark in that category. The closest was Tuka Rask down at 941. And again, the average was like 923. So just crushing the league 
Of course, the same thing showed up in his Delta Fenwick save percentage numbers, where Hudobin also led the league and by a very comfortable margin over Connor Hellebuck and Jake Allen. And then it was like another big step down to the next guy on that list, Corey Crawford, believe it or not, who we'll talk about in a little bit because he's a goalie in the NHL and we're talking about every single goalie who you should be thinking about in the NHL this year. So Hudobin has a fantastic little resume. Elon, I hear you saying he's never been a starter before. But neither is Shostyorkin. Like, I just, I guess, <laughs> I guess you think there are different points in their careers. Like, Hudobin, I did this little, like, very crude, uh, three-year weighted save percentage and, and three-year weighted Delta Fenwick save percentage. So I, I took the most recent year and I weighted it the, the greatest and two years ago, uh, somewhere in the middle and then three years ago, a little bit of an impact on the final number. Hudobin leads in both measures. And yes, he hasn't played as much as, as the rest of the goalies who I'm counting. Uh, in this sample here, but holy cow, he is uh, really head and shoulders above everyone else, basically on the strength of his most recent season. But how can you, like, Shostyorkin, you love, and he didn't do as well as Hudobin last season, and we've also (laughs) never seen him him in a starter's role, so I guess, and and he also plays for a worse defensive team. Dallas protects their goalie very well, so help me understand. I? I, I guess it's just a Bishop thing. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. Like, if Bishop was injured all year then I would have Hudobin maybe higher than Shostyorkin in Tier 2. But Shostyorkin, I expect to be a starting goalie come my fantasy playoffs. Okay. That's the difference. And yeah. also, Brian, I'm the one who said I want Samsonov in Tier 2 because I like, I'm like i not so worried about him not being uh, having ever been a starting goalie in the NHL. I like the situation. Again, with Hudobin, it's only because he's not going to be the starter. Okay. He's going to be Fair. like in a tandem. This is all I was hearing. But yes, now I... I okay. Understood. So Hudobin would be higher if it weren't for him probably getting bumped from a number one position into a tandem position uh, some like a month or two into the season. Yeah, or like with a month or two left. Yeah, okay. Then right. now let's talk about the last guy in tier three who's the opposite of Anton Hudobin last year, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, who played a lot more than Hudobin and had more wins, but was terrible. He had like one of his worst seasons ever with the Panthers for his first year there, 900 save percentage overall, probably wasn't even worth... The only reason people held him all year is because they were probably always hoping that he would bounce back. Uh, but, you know, he didn't really. And yeah, only 23 wins in 50 games. It's not even like he was so amazing for wins. He actually did have the most wins of everyone in this tier now that I'm noticing. So that's something. But uh, yeah, Bobrovsky, obviously we can't put him lower because I feel like that would be too mean after one bad year. But he's got to be nervous about, for sure. Like, I'm nervous about Matt Murray and we didn't put him in this tier i'm kind of like similarly nervous about bobrovsky but i don't know for some reason i just felt like we can't have him lower i think it's just that upside that's there and by the way it wasn't just one bad year the year before his last season in columbus was also not very good his quality start percentage was barely above 50 percent he had nine shutouts but they came like three at a time in two random points during the season like he really turned it on right at the end to sort of save his season and maintain, like, be able to just hold a 913 save percentage. But Borowski has been bad for two years now, and I don't know what to make of him. I have no idea. I think he's a fringe, like, he's not that, he's, he and Matt Murray aren't that different, but he and Miko Koskinen and he and, I don't know, even Carey Price aren't even all that different. Mm-hmm. Don't, Brian. Let's just he, not even well, get Well, Carey Price is on a much better team, but Borowski has had, such high highs, uh, about as many and mm-hmm. as to the extent to the same extent as Carey Price. Like, I, well, I, the one difference is the last memory we have of Carey Price is being like is unbelievable. Better. Yeah, 
So we'll see. I mean, we know that Columbus played a system that worked really well for Bobrovsky. And word is that in Florida, uh, that system and goalie didn't quite agree the same way. So maybe they've ironed out some of those kinks this year. I like him as being someone who's falling a lot in drafts, who you could probably grab reasonably cheap and get a ton of saves from and a decent number of wins, like not a great number because Florida is not great, but an okay number of wins and still have upside for an above average save percentage. But yeah, my faith in him is definitely waning after the last couple of years where he's just been really unimpressive. Yeah. Uh, so we have him here. But Bob, if you have a bad year, you're not hanging in tier three for next year. You're going into tier four. So uh, tier four now. Did you want to say something before I get into it? I was going to say Will in the chat. Will Nadeau is in the chat, who Elon keeps mentioning, is, uh, is our one of our resident goalie experts. Will says he watched a lot of Bobrovsky's games and said he was so unlucky with bad bounces and breakaways. So, I mean, uh, yeah, Will, Will disagrees about whether Bobrovsky was bad last year. I think he says he was unfortunate. Uh, it sounds like Will probably saw a little more of Bobrovsky than I did. But, uh, you know, I'm looking at my spreadsheet and I'm telling you what it tells me. <laughs> well, don't forget also that, uh, you know, Florida hasn't brought in any defensive depth to help. So it's just going to be the same situation again this year. Yeah. Like they got rid of Mike Matheson, which maybe is a plus. But aside from that, uh, yeah, no incoming studs. So quick name for Panthers defenseman. Ekblad. Yandel. such a pregnant pause how about Mackenzie Weger the prized uh, the apparent prized defensive free agent who whose value shot up this season as he hit UFA Uh, Radko Gudas is there I'm just seeing now yeah and so is Anton Strawman who we also forgot was there and Marcus Nudivara former Columbus player so uh, maybe he's bringing over some of that good that good Columbus juju for uh, Sergei Bobrovsky oh and did Bobrovsky ever play with oh no I don't think he played with Gudas okay so next let's go to tier four this is a tier that we've split up into four sub-tiers. And so this is what we're doing here. 4A, we're getting, we're going to talk about some tandem guys, okay? So 4A are the people in tandems who, like, we think are going to, like, win out, if there will even be a win out. Like, I just saw a quote uh, coming out of New Jersey saying that the plan is for Crawford and Blackwood to split starts. So it might literally be a 50-50 thing there. But, like, we've decided to take each of these kind of, like, appealing tandems and give our best guess of who we think if someone's going to get more starts, who would be so 4a is going to be the people who we think are going to get more starts in tandem uh 4b is going to be the people that we think are going to be in tandem so maybe get a few fewer starts and then 4c where if you're at a point in your draft where you just need starts we've got our starters our remaining starters that we're just very worried about and wouldn't want to have to rely on but we still have them there so that's the plan for tier four so let's start with these tandems we'll just take them one tandem at a time and then you'll see in the spreadsheet yeah how we split it into 4a and 4b based on who we picked to get more starts so let's start in... Actually, and some of the tandems aren't fully represented here. Like, for example, I'm, I'll just throw it out there. We have Cal Peterson here, who I believe is in a tandem in LA with Quick. I expect them to go 50-50. We have Cal Peterson in 4A, but not Quick in 4B, because I don't want to put Quick in like the conversation with like a Pavel Francois or Eunice Corpusalo. So Cal Peterson, though, let's talk about him. Uh, I know another guy that Will Nadeau has loved. Like he's been great in his short stints in LA last year. Finally, when Jack Campbell got traded, that's when Cal Peterson got a chance to play a significant number of games. He's been great. Everything he's shown us in the NHL has been really good. I think LA is finally ready to take that step forward, go with their youth movement. I think that includes giving Peterson more and more starts. And I think that he'd be a nice goalie to get late. Like you might still only get 50% of the LA games. And yet LA 
plays not a great team. He might not get so many wins, but everything we've seen has indicated that he's going to give you a really good save percentage. So that's Cal Peterson in tier 4A, even though we're not going to put his partner, Jonathan Quick, in 4B. Yeah, Cal Peterson has been really good lately. Uh, His Delta Finn save percentage was a a healthy amount above average last year, even though his five on five save percentage was not great. That was more a function of playing for LA than it was uh, a function of his own ability. So yeah, I am into Cal Peterson as like someone who might be a sneaky guy, like more of a stream, right? If you're looking at a tandem and you're looking at the LA starter uh, or like an LA spot starter, I don't think he's someone who you want to roster for very long unless, you know, having a goalie who plays once or twice a week and puts up a half decent save percentage uh, unlikely to get a win is going to help you but yeah i like cal peterson and i hope he's the goalie that uh, grows into this la team or that this la you know group of prospects can grow up with because i think he's probably uh, able to be a goalie with a really good team in front of him and i just hope he sticks around long enough in la for that to happen yeah, he might also be the kind of guy that you stream in to start, but like I think he's better than Jonathan Quick at this point. So maybe oh, yeah. the Kings just start giving him more starts and maybe he's a starter. So I think he's a guy who has an ability to jump up, but so do all these guys in these tandems. But I think more te- other teams have said, no, we want a tandem as opposed to LA where I think they'd be happy to give Peterson more starts if he earns it. Okay, so let's get into some of these tandems now. Uh, so UC Saros and Pekka Rene over in Nashville. Uh, so Nashville is like wasn't as amazing last year, but... They still are a pretty good defensive team. Like UC Saros had a 914 save percentage in his 40 games last year. Pecorine had an 895 save percentage in his 36 games. So that's part of the reason why we have Saros as the guy that we're expecting to edge out Rene. Though, Brian, we actually had a bit of an argument about this because I actually was saying before that I might even put Saros in like tier three. Like I considered him the starter because at the end of last year, over the last like 20 games, I think Saros played like 17 of them. Like they just decided to stop playing Rene and play Saros because he was doing well. Yeah. And he had an amazing end of the year. So I kind of see Saros as a starter and not in a tandem but you felt that Rene's still going to challenge for starts and make it closer to being a 50-50 thing. Yeah, Saros caught fire towards the end of last season. There's no room to give Pecorine the net again. Not to say that they didn't want to just give it to Saros, but I just wonder if Saros can hold it because we've seen him catch fire before and then be playing long enough to fizzle. And also, Rene is not completely done. Uh, Yeah, last season was bad, but the two seasons before that were still quite good. He's still ranked amongst uh, the t- the top group of goalies in both 5-on-5 save percentage and Delta Fenwick save percentage. Not to say Saros didn't. Saros has also been pretty good the two years before this one. But uh, I just... I'm just not convinced yet that it's time for the torch to be officially passed more than like a 50-50 situation, especially in this compressed season. Like there's, this is a season where if you have two goalies uh, with no huge difference between them, you use them. And unless Rene has really fallen off because of age, which is possible, right? Like he's a, he's eight. Yeah. He's going to his age 38 season, uh, hasn't played in a while, like a longer than usual layoff. We'll see how he handles it, especially after a bad season. But I still have faith that If he's got good conditioning, uh, he's going to be just fine to be able to hold up 50% of the starts. That's going to be on your tombstone, Brian. I still have faith. Like, that's, uh, you're yeah. great at fantasy and you do really well, but like, I don't see how, like, Pecorino going to his age 38 season that just had, like, a bomb because of a season. Elon, I wrote him off going into his age 34 season and then uh-huh. age 34, 35, 36, he was fantastic, fell off age 37. I don't think that means it's over. And like I said, I think teams are going to use. Like, are going to be pushed to use two goalies this year. Yeah. 
I mean, I think he'll be like maybe a Ryan Miller, like a decent backup uh, potentially. Like, yes, if that's all he gets, but I think he might get more than that. Okay, so we'll see. So we agree to disagree here. A rare player in the NHL who's older than me at this point, <laughs> at 38 years old, for Pecorine. So I'm pretty stoked about uh, UC Saros for next year if you're looking for starts. Brian disagrees. But either way, we have Saros in 4A, uh, Rene in 4B. Let's go to a team that actually, I predict that the Colorado Avalanche are going to lead the league in wins. Like, I just feel like the, uh, we've talked about it a lot, right? The Avalanche are, like, stacked. They have great defense. They're going to protect their goalie like no, like nothing. Like, they're, they're, like I don't even see Colorado losing games. Who's gonna, well? I guess they're playing a lot against Vegas and St. Louis. They'll probably lose some games. But I, I really like what they're going to do this season. Unfortunately for their goalies, it seems like such a coin flip, right? Like Grubauer and Francois both had stretches last year where they were good, and they both had stretches where they were bad. Uh, I think that Grubauer is probably the starter going into the year, or like you know the quote unquote starter, the one who's going to play more. And I'd be happy to grab Grubauer because even if he only plays half the games or a bit more than half the games, like I said, I think he's winning like a big chunk of those games. And I think he's shown like he's shown some concern. Like remember at the end of his tenure in Washington, he had that huge, amazing run where he looked unbeatable. And I was really excited about him going into Colorado. And the last year wasn't like as amazing as I hoped. But like Grubauer is a guy that I feel like has like a lot of upside to be like a really like top fantasy goal. Like if he ends up getting the starter job, I guess you can say the same thing about Francois. Like you, I think it's like the best team in the league, right? So like potentially getting the right goalie that plays a lot would be huge. But if they're 50, 50, uh, it still could be a great tandem. If you want to get a tandem, like maybe they don't have the, as good of a save percentage opportunity as like in Columbus or the Islanders, but I, I love the avalanche. So yeah, Grubauer and Francois. And then yeah, we have Grubauer and four a and Francois and four B. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Grubauer could, like UC Saros, end up moving up from this tandem situation to becoming more of a 1A kind of guy, or even a number one kind of guy by season's end. Uh, His initial season in Colorado was not what we were hoping for after finishing in Washington his last 60 games over two seasons had like a 925 save percentage, which was awesome and fantastic. And he had a great run right at the end where he definitely outplayed Braden Holtby and had quality start percentages near 70%. Then he went to Colorado, looked average-ish again. It was like, oh, can this guy be a starter? Picked up his game in his second year in Colorado, except for the fact that uh, it was kind of volatile. He had this uh, a decent save percentage, 916, but a 47% quality start percentage, which is very, very bad, uh, especially if you're his fantasy manager and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put him in net. Uh, that's not good for for like <laughs> for him to not be so reliable in actually putting up performances that help you, even though it all added up to a good season where he was in the upper half of goalies with 934 five on five save percentage and a Delta Fenwick save percentage that ranked him just outside the top five. So Grubauer was good last year, just super inconsistent. So I would love to see him be consistent enough to hold Francois at bay, which I think he can. I don't think Francois is anything super special, like looks like a good 1B backup option, doesn't yet look to me like a number one goalie. So I think there is opportunity for Grubauer to uh, jump out of the 4A tier and into the tier three or even tier two by the time we're a month into the season. Hmm. Like I was like agreeing with you all the way through, but I actually 
think Francoise is like a, a legit threat. Like this isn't like a Peke Rene situation for me. Like I think that Grubauer is like the incumbent, like the one who's going to get the first crack. But, like when you say like he's nothing special, like I'm looking at his elite prospects page, 923 save percentage last year in 34 games, his first year in the NHL with the Avalanche. Uh, he was in the AHL the previous year, 918. Oh no, he also played two games. Okay, he played two games also in the year before. Then you look at his KHL career and he's like a 920, 930, like every year of his career and playing like a decent number of games, like more games than Shistor was playing in the KHL in that stretch. It seems to me like Francois has been a superstar like his whole career. He just like recently joined the NHL at the ripe old age of 30. Uh, but I think definitely if Grubauer struggles, like Francois, I think does look like someone, at least from this elite prospects page, as someone that could be a starter in the NHL if he gets the opportunity. It's really strange because like it, it looks on the surface like he outplayed Grubauer but those numbers that I mentioned that I look at show that he didn't. Like, he underperformed his Delta Fenwick save percentage. Well, Grubauer overperformed him by more than Franco's underperformed. So it's like, it was a good season for Grubauer, even though his, his final numbers didn't seem to show it. Um, and I think a lot of this is because of what happened on the penalty kill for both of them, uh, where Franco's might have overperformed and Grubauer might have underperformed. And I also wonder if Colorado uh, played a little more defensively for Francis, which, as you can tell, is a theory that I'm looking up as Mm -hmm. I speak. And no, they played uh, the same level of defense, essentially, for both of them. Yeah, okay. Like, again, like, I'm not arguing with having Grubauer as our 4A and Francis as our 4B. I'm just saying that Francis does track as someone that could have a lot of upside. Yeah, just so you, right. but like a huge part of Francis' save percentage was this 901. Okay. On, 909 on the penalty kill, which is crazy. Like that that's madness. Whereas Grubauer was 860, which is like under where he should have been. So, But that's like one season. Like I'm, it's such a small sample size. I'm not sure. weighing that. I'm looking at Francis' whole career when I say that, not last okay. year. Okay, Cool. Okay, so now we have the two like obvious tandem places where you're gonna get great save percentages, and that's the Trots Islanders and the Tortorella Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, so it's really hard to predict again, like who's gonna get more starts, but you just know that no matter who you have on that team, they're gonna get you a good save percentage when they play and probably a decent number of wins. So we've got Corpusalo and Merz Lickens over on Columbus, and then we've got Sorokin, who's another guy coming from the KHL, and Varlamov over on the Islanders. Uh, so our bets for what it's worth I mean I don't know like Columbus I think is a total coin flip like Merz Lickens is the guy who is the up and coming prospect that people have been excited about for a while last year he like met all the expectations he struggled for like three games then Corpusalo played like a ton of games in a row and was amazing then Corpusalo got injured then Merz Lickens came in and he played a ton of games in a row and he was amazing ended his rookie season with a 923 save percentage so great outing for Merz Lickens then come the playoffs was it Merz Lickens was injured or I don't know, but uh, like Corpusalo was then amazing in the playoffs, right? And like had that like eight overtime game where he had, I don't know, like Corpusalo was insane for Columbus. So it's really hard to predict what they'll do. I think if I had to pick one, I'd go Merz Lickens, but I feel, feel like this one's really hard to predict. And probably same with the Islanders, right? Because Varlamov was the starter last year. Like at first he was splitting starts with Grice. By the end of the year, Varlamov was getting the majority of the starts and he also was great at the end and was amazing in the playoffs. Uh, but everyone says that Ilya Sorokin is this like phenom, amazing goalie that's going to come in and be like a Shostyorkin. So I'm going to put Sorokin in 4A because I think he's more exciting. And I think eventually the plan is maybe if it's not next year, it's the year after that Sorokin overtakes Varlamov. But yeah, so I, I've got it as Merzlikens and Sorokin in 4A and Korpisalo and Varlamov in 4B. But really, I think all of these could be 50-50 guys. 
I have nothing to disagree with you on. It, it. I think you've done right in choosing the more exciting option to put in 4A in Sorokin and Merzlikens. They both seem to have a, an upside that's higher than their respective tandem partners in Korpisalo and Varlamov. Uh, I wouldn't write off Korpisalo or Varlamov, but if one guy is going to run away... Uh, is the likelihood is higher for me that it's going to be Merz Lickens or Sorokin, but I know better than to really think I can predict these things. That's just like, that's very hunchy and gutty. Yeah. So Brian, let me ask you this. Let's say you've drafted Elvis Merz Lickens in one round and you're thinking, I need one more goalie still. You could either take Corpusalo to get that tandem in Columbus, or you could take Sorokin and have the two guys that we both have in 4A. Would you rather have Merz Lickens and Sorokin, or would you rather have Merz Lickens and Corpusalo? Yeah, I mean, that's a really tough one, and it'll depend on what you're looking for in your categories. We disagree on this, I think. I, I would like the comfort of the cuff, especially, I have no idea how, like, this season, how game day updates are going to go, and how much things will change, and when goalies will be announced. I'd rather just know that I'm going to have the starter on one team rather than take two lotto tickets, even if they're weighted lotto tickets, take two lotto tickets and potentially end up without a goalie, assuming that there are none left in free agency. If there's a whole bunch of like streaming quality goalies in free agency, I'll take the two lotto tickets. But if they're all gone, I want the two, I want to cuff one team. Yeah, the nice thing is then you don't have to worry so much about injuries. If anything, like the nice thing about having a, a tandem like that, like a, a cuff, is that if one gets injured, it's actually like good news for you. Because now you stash one in IR and then you have a starting goalie taking up only one spot instead of two. So it's all it's it's pretty rare in fantasy to not want to tear your hair out when there's an injury. And that's one situation where you can kind of buy insurance on that. So yeah, it probably depends what you're going for. Okay, who else do we have in here? All right, the Devils, right? So we've got Mackenzie Blackwood and Corey Crawford. Blackwood was amazing last year, especially at the end. Like, he actually struggled a bit at the beginning. It's kind of like an Allmark situation, right? Like, there was Schneider and Hutton at some point getting a lot of starts. But by the end of the year, it was clear that, like, Blackwood and Allmark were the starters. Unfortunately, Blackwood ends up in 4A and Allmark is in Tier 3 because the Devils were smart and picked themselves up a really good tandem goalie in Corey Crawford, who, just like we said about Leonard, like Crawford on Chicago, a bad defensive team, had a great year, a 917 save percentage in his 40 games. We expect New Jersey, I think, to be a better defensive team than Chicago. So I, I think it's a pretty decent situation for both of them. And uh, yeah, I don't even know how to pick. Honestly, I, this one is the one I'm like, I was thinking Blackwood when I woke up this morning. And now I'm kind of starting to think that maybe Crawford will play more games just because they signed him to the big crunch act and he's the veteran and he still like has shown that he's got something in the tank. So wh- I don't know. But like, who knows for next season? Long term, obviously, it's Blackwood's net. But uh, Crawford, I don't know. Uh, they're 50-50 to me. I would probably bet Crawford if I had to like gun to my head and pick one to play more than the other. That's a, yeah, I'm not with you on that. I think the Devils want Blackwood to be their guy, especially long term. They paid, I still think, a little below what market value should have been for Corey Crawford. Like if Robin Lehner got what he got, what was it? Uh, It was more than five and a half. That was his last contract. Uh, Oh, no, it wasn't. He got five million. Corey Crawford gets a full million and a bit like, okay, maybe forget all that. Maybe Crawford signed for market value in New Jersey, but he's there to back up because the Devils have not had a backup for Mackenzie Blackwood for as long as Mackenzie Blackwood has been around, and that's hurt them. You remember the days of Keith Kincaid and Corey Schneider has been there? I think, did Louis Domingue? Louis Domingue's been everywhere. Louis Domingue was probably in New Jersey at some point recently, too. Um, So 
I think Corey Crawford is there to be a solid veteran, uh, to be what they would have hoped Corey Schneider could have been at this point in his career. Not to say that Corey Crawford is chopped liver. Corey Crawford is uh, outstanding. He, uh, every chance I get, I extol the virtues of how incredible his career has been, including last year, where he wasn't so different from Robin Liner in Chicago, uh, posting an above average five on five save percentage and finishing the top five in the league in Delta Fenwick save percentage. So Corey Crawford, Still going very strong, but I really do think he's just there so that the Devils can give Blackwood a rest and not feel like they're throwing a game. Uh, and a rest might be every other game, or it might be a little uh, less often than that. And but I would bank that it's that Blackwood sees at least fifty percent of the starts and probably more. Okay, well, again, I, I referenced at the top of the show, I saw in Roto World that like the word is the plan is for them to split starts. So who knows how that'll actually shake out? Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, like, I'm looking at our tier 4B right now. We have Crawford and Rene in the same tier. And to me, it's like, I see Crawford as, like, a 50-50 guy who's going to have a good save percentage and who's, like, uh, still looking good. And then I see Pekka Rene, who's someone I don't even want to draft at all. And I don't know why he's in this tier. Okay. I, you know what? When you make that very stark comparison, who else is here? We've got Varlamov, Crawford, Corpusalo, Francos, And the one we haven't gotten to yet is Braden Holtby. Yeah, so we have the Vancouver tangent. Which is like, until I got to Holtby, I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe we should have moved uh, Rene down a little. Well, to be fair, again, like, Braden Holtby, yes, let's get into Vancouver. Like, Holtby had a bad year last year in Washington. He's been not that great in his last couple years. But he's still only 31 years old, so there is that potential that he could still be good. Maybe he just needs a, you know, new environment, and who knows what can happen. So I'm definitely not ready to write off Holtby that as I am, like, ready to write off Rene now at 38 years old, coming off a bad year himself. That's so uh, funny, because Holtby has been worse for longer. Yeah. I, I, this is an age thing for me. I this just feel is like, straight up an age thing. Yeah, I think like Holby still is someone that I could imagine can bounce back. I think Rene is just sort of at the end of his career. But that said, I like Demko over Holby. And if I had to pick a Vancouver goalie, I actually expect that Holby's going to start as the starter because he's like the big money free agent. I think Vancouver maybe, I don't know if they made a mistake signing him because there's that whole part that maybe he'll get taken by Seattle in the expansion draft and it might work out very well uh, because they don't have to lose someone else. Uh, but that said, I think Demko is the one I'd bank on on Vancouver, but I could see it going either way because, yeah, maybe they are trying to showcase Hopi a little bit. They'll probably go with the hot hand. I expect that the hot hand will be Demko from what we saw in the playoffs. I know he had stretches last year where he wasn't as great. Um, I would take Hopi over Rene, but I would take Demko over Hopi. Okay. Yeah, I, I I think I agree with everything you said, that Holtby is going to be the, the starter to start the season, because that's what Vancouver needs to do after signing him. But eventually it'll turn to Demko. Uh, you know what? I'm not sold on either guy. I'm not excited about having either guy, especially because I mentioned Vancouver had their problems defensively last season. Of course, Nate Schmidt coming in will hopefully help remedy some of that. But uh, like Vancouver goalie is going to be fine, but they're going to have to work. And uh, just haven't seen a whole lot from Holtby lately and haven't gotten a chance to see a whole lot from Demko to know that either one is going to be completely up to the task. Yeah. So, okay. I'm happy with where we have Demko and Holtby. I'm going to make a quick proposal to you. We have a tier 5B coming up in a little bit, which is tandem guys who we don't rely on. And one of them is Jonathan Quick, who we mentioned. Uh, There's also like Dubnik and Jones and then Delia and Subban. I would uh, maybe put Rene there (laughs) if you're up for it. Yeah. All right, I'm throwing him in there. All right, so we're changing it on the fly. And that is straight up an age thing. If I would just want to be clear. If Rene was like three or four years younger, I I wouldn't do it. 
Okay, Somewhere. fair and noted. Okay, okay, we still have another t- like group of people in tier four. <laughs> so this is like, we just said all these tandem guys, but like I said, you might want to still starter. There still are three starters left, according to what we think. Uh, and those are Petter Morazic in Carolina, Matt Murray in Ottawa, and Thomas Grice in Detroit. And these are all starters that I personally, and I think Brian agrees with a couple of them, like, I don't want to rely on. Like, this is, like, not a starter that I'd be comfortable. Like, anytime they play, I'd be worried, like, oh, boy. Yeah. Here we go. (laughs) Mrazic stands out here like a sore thumb, right? Like, Murray, of course. uh, Grice, of course. uh, They're both going to be on very bad teams that are in the early stages of rebuilding. And then you've got Petr Mrazic, who is like, oh, he's on Carolina. They're going to win a lot of games this year. What's he doing there? And I look at Mrazic's numbers. Uh, last year was uh, actually, believe it or not, he got pounded on the penalty kill. Uh, he was actually average at five on five in his Delta Fenwick save percentage on the whole. And the two years before that, he uh, outperformed the average NHL goalie in Delta Fenwick save percentage and in five on five save percentage. So you're going to really have to make your case here. You convinced me, I guess, earlier this afternoon <laughs> that Petomrazic belongs here even while on a good team. Uh, but I'm not clear on why he really is in the same league as Marie and Grace and isn't more along the lines of like a Cam Talbot. Well, I would say that Murray, specifically, I think is going to play more than Morazic. So there are arguments to have Murray higher in that respect. Uh, now I know the team is a lot worse. Like, Morazic, he's played in Carolina for two seasons now. He's played 40 games in each season. So I don't even see it. So he's, like, maybe not as concerning in terms of, like, he's going to blow up, up my numbers. Though I've always, like, not been so into Morazic. And I know you're saying last year he wasn't even so bad. And you once you, you know, disregard his penalty kill save percentage he's still just like that's a vibe thing for me i just don't think Morazic is someone i'd want to rely on for my fantasy team and also i think that carolina if they do what they did last year he didn't play like so so much like uh, i think that reimer is someone who could still play a decent number of games they also have alex nadelkovich in their little taxi squad that might also challenge to get some starts so um i don't want to have Morazic in the same tier as those other tier three guys where we put the rest of our starters personally but the trouble with Morazic is he just he doesn't see a lot of work each night and so when you you know don't see a lot of work and you give up a couple goals it looks worse than if you saw more work and you gave up a couple goals well yeah that's an argument to maybe like him less because if your league count saves he's not helping you there so no I know this is what I'm saying so like I think he's a good goalie on a very good team but he's just not entrenched as a number one and doesn't see enough work to recover from a bad save percentage when he gives up two or three goals in a night, which is perfectly defensible. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I think this is one you might regret, Elon. I think he belongs closer to tier three. I think that he's going to do worse this year. I think right. he stinks. And then quickly, quickly on Matt Murray and Tomas Grice, if everyone's like, okay, but are they good? Like, are they going to do well? Murray's had one good season in his last three, and that was two years ago. Grice has also had uh, one above average season in his last three. So uh, we really thought he was better than what he showed with the Islanders last year, and he was good for a bit, but then uh, totally lost the job to Varlamov, and right, rightfully so. So uh, I'm a little more concerned about Grice going into this year than I was going into last year based on what we saw from him last season in uh, for the Islanders. So for uh, for that reason, I think Grice and Marie are equally questionable goalies to own, but they're great if you want to pile up saves. 
So I actually disagree with you on Grice, and this was an argument I lost earlier. I would put Grice with Bernier in our next tier of like tandems I don't like, because I actually think that Grice and Bernier are going to split starts right down the line. Uh, but you seem to think that Grice is, has been brought in as the starter. Uh, but whatever. We can agree doesn't I'm, matter because it's Detroit. You're not going to want either yeah. of these guys anyways. So yeah. To you know, I'm actually like, I'm looking at Grace's age and contract. He's 34. He's only, he only signed for two years at 3.6 million. I could see, I, I'm more open to he and Bernier splitting than I was this afternoon. So should we put them both in 5B? Yeah. All right. I'm moving it right now. And then I am going to make a point about Murray that I'm going, I'm expecting people to like get annoyed at me about. So I'm ready for this because I know I've even, I think that the Sens are like, uh, sorry, I'm doing two things at once here. Okay, so I've moved Grice and Bernier to 5B, which I haven't got to. Okay, the Sens are like, oh no, not going to be great, but I think they're going to be like a fun team. I don't think they're going to be like the worst team in the league. Like some people keep talking about them. Like they've brought in guys who I know aren't like, you know, everyone makes fun of, like, oh, Stepan, like, he's not even good. But, like, I think Stepan's actually decent defensively. I think what Dom has been saying is he's not going to move the needle offensively. Like, I don't know, Galchenyuk's a depth piece. They've brought in Dadanov. They've got Tim Stutzla, who looked really good in the World Junior Championships. They've obviously got Brady Kachuk. Uh, you know, they've got these defense. Shabbat is good. Brandstrom's coming up. Uh, like, I know that people don't like the Eric Good Branson signing, so whatever. Anyways, or Nikita all- Zaitsev or Mike Riley. Like, their defense is very weak. I hear what you're saying about their their top end. Sorry, I totally interrupted you. That's fine. No, no, it's fine. Like, this is not, like, me saying Ottawa's going to be awesome and Murray's, like, a steal. But I think that maybe, like, obviously the big question to me is, is Murray good? And he's, like, sort of gone 50-50 on that. Like, he's shown, you know, streaks of being, like, one of the best goalies in the league. And then he's shown streaks of, like, ugh, like, this guy is terrible. Like, he helped me win, like, a couple division a couple years ago. Like, he was, like, I'm not talking when the Pens won the Cup. I'm talking, like, a couple seasons ago, he, like, you know, had that whole thing with Casey DeSmith and, like, and all that. And he, like, had that injury or like his time off whatever it was then when he came back at the end of the year he was great so it's not like that long ago that he's like been good uh, at the same time he's had injury troubles who knows like all that said he's like a probably a volume starter on a team that i think is like a fun team so if we're at this like I, i'm happy to get let murray fall to me in a fantasy draft and like i'm not going to be like holding on for dear life and expecting things to get better if they're not going well from the start but i'm like more into murray than uh Mrazik. And definitely over Grice. Like, I'd rather get Murray than Mrazic, which I guess sounds kind of crazy, but I feel like he'll play more. And I guess uh, you're going for upside. And if, like, so I've drafted Murray in my Cupful team. And if the first couple weeks go poorly, like, he's on a really short leash on my roster, right? Like, he's not sticking around if he has. I think he's a great guy to take a late round flyer on and be like, okay, how long can this work out for? Can it work out at all? And someone you can cut bait with quickly. If it doesn't, you just don't want to draft him as a guy, uh, like, as a goalie who you're going to feel like you need to replace if he doesn't work out. Like, I don't care if I drop Matt Murray and there's no goalies on the wire. Who cares? I'll grab a skater instead. That's the position I'm in. But one thing I do... Uh, I will just echo uh, what you said about Ottawa. Like they have Chris Tierney and Derek Stepan and Artem Anisimov. And I think in those three guys, they at least have three players capable of playing center who aren't completely awful 
as two way players. Like they need they need those sort of anchor guys to be able to like okay, uh, like keep whoever they're on the ice with from getting completely filled in. Like it's a decent base. I guess I, I don't know if there's an argument quite to be made for Cedric Paquette being in the same vein. I, I don't think there is. But then yeah, you look at the wingers and you've got Kachuk and Dadanov and you've got Colin White who might take a step forward. Connor Brown can be a solid top six player. You look at Tim Stutzla maybe taking a step forward. I see what you're saying that Ottawa, at least on offense, might not be quite as bad as everyone's making uh, them seem to be. But on defense, it really is a gong show. Yeah, well, but I do like Shabbat and Branson. They might have a really good yeah, high-end part of Two out defense. of their six defensemen might be okay. Yeah, better than okay. Well, one think, well, will definitely be okay. Branson yeah. could be okay. And, like, if Yaros or Wolanin get to get some time in, uh, they'll also be okay, hopefully. Anyway. They have a high draft pick in Lassie Thompson. I don't know. By the way, in the centers, you didn't even mention, like, the Logan Browns and the Josh Norrises who might finally come in and start doing something. Yeah, like Drake, Drake Batherson. Batherson and yeah. Alex Formanton. Like, there are... It's going to be an interesting year. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Okay. And it's going to be really fun watching them play, like, the Leafs and, like, some of these other... Like, the Oilers and, like, see how they compare. Uh, okay, so next, uh, we got Tier 5, where we, we're splitting them into 5A and 5B. So 5A, we're saying these are, like, for sure backup goalies, but, like, good backups. Like, mwah. Like, guys who are going to, like, when they do play, you're happy to have them in your lineup. They're going to be good. Then we have... And they're going to play maybe even a little more than the average backup. Oh, okay. So actually, a couple of these guys might not be, like, as, like, like you know, chef's kiss as I just did, but, like, at least... Like, a guy who might play a decent amount of games then 5b are the remaining tandem guys that we've already kind of mentioned that are like i don't expect them to be starters or backups i expect them to be like 50 50 like these last few we've talked about except i just don't want them as so it depends like who if you want more starts or more quality so 5a the backups who are good we've got yaroslav halak who is like the this cat this tier should be named after him this is the halak category because he's like the best backup you could have in fantasy like every time he plays he's great he plays a decent number of games uh so yeah he's a really solid guy to get laid in your draft then we have auntie rata who we've already mentioned as like when he's healthy which is kind of rare but he's like really good it seems on arizona then we have a that's maybe a demarcation point here we have mark andre fleury who's on a really good team and yeah he struggled over the last couple of years but i wonder if as a backup he might do better like when the pressure's off a little bit i think that fleury is someone who i'd still be happy like if he was like a free agent and then like vegas is playing and they've announced that fleury's starting i wouldn't be like nervous to start him. I'd, be, I'd be kind of excited because you know he's, he's mark andre fleury and he's on a good team and so he gets points for me for that and then uh james reimer who we have here because uh i don't know why because oh because we like carolina right carolina's a really good team and I think he's going to play a decent number of games if last year was any indication. So I don't know. Maybe my, Reimer doesn't belong here, but that's tier 5A. Halak, yeah. Ranta, Fleury, Reimer. Yeah, so Halak and Ranta definitely belong here. Fleury, I think, is more or less done. I, I have no faith in him to really even be a great spot start, unless you're just looking for a win, in which case, go for it. He's only that's there crazy. because he's playing for Vegas. Why is it crazy? Like, so, but I just don't get, like, sometimes with how you decide with the, like, Pekka Rene just had, like, a, a terrible, terrible season. Yes, and I still but think he has he something had, left. He had good seasons two and three years ago. Marc-Andre Fleury has been bad now for two years. Pekka yeah, Rene but, but, has just mm-hmm. been bad for one. But two, okay, so. <laughs> That's the difference. 2017-18, Fleury was amazing. 2018-19, he looks like he was average. And then last year didn't go that well. But I, like I said, I think as a backup, it's a different job than being a starter. Okay. So, look, I. I agreed to put him in this tier. I think whatever questions I have about his ability to play, yeah, maybe as a backup. And for Vegas, who's a very good team, things will be just fine. Reimer, like, the whole Carolina thing and the way you're thinking about them really throws me. 
I like I, I Rhymer is um sort of just like a slightly less certain version of Mrazek. Like he was good last year, bad the two years before that. It's just like they're never both good at the same time, and so no one can actually run away with the job. And they both play for a very good team, so it's it's all very confusing in Carolina. I thought one year I had it made by getting the tandem. I think that was the year they both got injured. Oh, <laughs> oops. Okay, you've convinced me. Reimer, I'm putting in tier six. He's not a great backup. He's a uh, just a regular backup. Okay, so uh, then we have five B. So again, these are tandem guys that we don't want to rely on. We got the Sh- San Jose Sharks guys, Jones and Dubnik. Like, what is there to say? Like, there. Like, I will say that San Jose, I think, will be better than last year. If, like, I would hope so. Like, again, like if they're healthy, like Couture and Hurdle are healthy. Like, if Carlson and Burns can get back to how they were a couple of years ago. Like, Carlson obviously is health. Hopefully, works. But can be fully healthy. I think if the Sharks are like fully healthy, I think they should be a good team. Maybe even a team that could challenge for the playoffs again or at least be in not like as like out of the picture as they were last year so early on and so their goalie could be good but at this point like jones and dubnik have both been so bad it's like such a weird thing they brought in dubnik i guess they just want to have like an established guy so that when joe if slash when jones falters i uh you know they have someone else i heard a podcast interview with shang pang brian who once was on our show i know you're a fan of his he was on dimitri filipovich's podcast and shang mentioned how the sharks brought in like a different goalie coach like midway through the season and then like Jones and Dell actually did better at the end of the year and so he has some hope that maybe the Sharks have like updated their system or something or done something I don't know I'm just trying I'm grasping with straws here like we have them in 5B I'm not relying on these guys but there could be some upside if you pick the one who's going to get more starts if the Sharks have a better system and if they you know get back to winning but that's them okay then we have Rene who we've agreed to put in here as uh tandem guys we don't want to rely on uh we've got Chicago guys right uh Delia and Malcolm Subban Subban's like had a few opportunities in the NHL has never really done much Colin Delia had a decent run a couple years ago didn't play last year they also have Kevin Lankinen who like what I've seen on Twitter is that they're going to start the year with Delia and Subban as the tandem but I wouldn't be surprised if Lankinen gets a shot at some point because like why not why not put him over Subban or Delia if they're struggling then we have the Detroit guys that we've already discussed and then we have Jonathan Quick and that finishes up this tier 5B of tandem guys we don't want to rely on. Yeah, I don't think I have anything at all to add except, I mean, Renee fell into there. But, I, well, there's the Chicago situation where Delia and Subban might not, it might not be either of them leading the way for Chicago in starts. Uh, we moved Grice and Bernier into there. Quick is also someone who I don't have time for anymore. Uh, I have no faith that he can rebound. I had a little faith going into last season, but uh, look, it wasn't an awful season, but it was still below average. And I want to see more of it was a correction from the season before, but not enough of one to really make me have a lot of faith. Plus, you've got Cal Peterson there. And we've already talked about him. Yeah, okay. And any, I guess no comments on the Sharks guys. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, sorry. I guess those are <laughs> those are the ones that everyone wants to hear about. But they're the ones we've talked about so much and just been so mad that they've been so bad. Like, Jones and Dubnik are two of the three worst-ranked goalies in Delta Fenwick's save percentage from last season. And uh, actually, they are, from my crude three-year waiting uh, metric for Delta Fenwick's save percentage, they're both the two worst goalies of the last three years also. So it's a very strange bet for the Sharks to make. When they made the deal to acquire Dubnik, I just felt, I tweeted about it. It's like, okay, so they traded Alex Stalock to Minnesota, who took the job from Devin Dubnik, and then acquired Dubnik. So 
Like, the whole feedback loop does not make any sense. So I hope that Jones and Dubnik can do better. Uh, Dubnik has been in a golden situation in Minnesota that he can't take advantage of. Jones has not been in such a golden situation, but still has not taken advantage of a team that is desperate to give him the reins. So uh, I don't have a lot of faith in either one of them. And I feel bad for the rest of the San Jose team because I don't think they've fixed their biggest need, which was goaltending. Yeah, uh, it could be rough, but who knows? Maybe you, that's why they play the games, right? So we'll see what happens. Uh, like they have a lot of high end talent, so it's hard to completely write off a team with so like such a strong, like I guess aging yeah. core, but still like a strong core. This is what we said last year and the year before yeah. about Martin Jones. Like it's very, it's just it's very hard when your goalies just kneecap you night in, yeah. night out. So we'll see if, like, Shang Peng was right and the system changed. Right. I'm hopeful. Shang Peng, by the way, uh, has a great little, uh, great website going. Did you did you plug it? I, I fear the fin, right? Uh, no. SanJoseHockeyNow.com. On Twitter, at SJHockeyNow. I believe uh, Shang used to write for fear the fin. Okay, so forget them. But now has, a, like, a great, like, it's a fantastic, I'd say it rivals the athletic in terms of... Uh, of uh, information about the sharks, like co- okay. sharks coverage. Yeah, Shang is our favorite sharks beat writer. So follow him yeah. wherever you want, wherever you need to, to get your sharks coverage. Okay, let's go now to, we're in backups. We've split it up into two tiers, tier six and tier seven. Tier six are backups that we have, at least one of us have some interest in for one reason or another. And then we have tier seven, which is like the backups that are like extremely uninteresting. I would never consider drafting this person. I would, yeah. So uh, let's go, we've got a bunch of them in tier six. So I don't know, Brian, how you want to do this. How about like, I'll mention, like I'll do four at a time, give my reasons, then you can make any comments you want. Then we'll go on to the next four. So we've got Jack Campbell on Toronto. We've kind of already mentioned the fact that Anderson is a pending unrestricted free agent means that maybe Toronto won't be too concerned about trying something else if things aren't working. I think Jack Campbell has shown in short stints that he might be a decent NHL goalie. So that's why he's someone I would definitely have on my radar. These aren't like people I would necessarily draft, but like backups. So I think at some point in the season could become interesting. So that's Campbell. Uh, Jake Allen on Montreal, like he's coming off like one of his better seasons ever, like in a 927 save percentage on St. Louis in 24 games. I definitely don't think he's going to overtake Carey Price for like starts. Like that's madness. But I think when he does play, he could be like a, like he's shown that maybe he's really good. So uh, he could also be really bad, which is what we've also seen. So yeah, that's why we have him here as like a little bit of interest. Uh, Jake Ettinger, I might even have him as like the one I'm most interested in in this group. And we've already talked about Hudobin and the reasons why. Like, I just feel like maybe what if Dallas is just like, you know what worked last year when we had Hudobin and Bishop each play 50% of the games. And then we made it to the cup finals. How about we try to do that again? We don't have bishops. So let's just do it with Jake Ettinger. So obviously Ettinger has to hold up his end of the bargain and actually be good. But like I think there's the possibility that they just like Hudobin playing 50% of the games and why mess with something that works. So that's why I'm interested in Ettinger. And then one more is James Reimer. We've already discussed that I had in a higher tier and we've just moved him down. So I'm at least somewhat interested because I think he's going to play a decent number of games on a good team in Carolina. So those are the first four in tier six. Okay. Yeah. So Campbell and Allen, both in similar situations where they play for good teams and have shown some ability and are going to be called on because they're both joining teams that have been without backups for so long. And that's been an Achilles heel. So both teams want them to succeed and hopefully we'll use them to spell their goalies a little bit more. However, if you look at how Toronto played their goalies down the stretch, even with Jack Campbell, uh, they just played the heck out of Freddie Anderson. So don't don't count on anything being just handed to Jack Campbell. Uh, and then you've got, except this year, of course, you might need two goalies. So it could be good for Campbell and Allen. Uh, same with Jake Edinger, uh, except he's not 
proven to like it's imagined that he has this upside to have these short stints that we've seen from Campbell and Allen and then James Reimer we already talked about Elon how about I'll go first for the next four go for it okay uh next four we've got Alexander Georgiev in New York who uh like we mentioned earlier was sort of uh playing 1A 1B with Shostorkin uh he seems like to be a guy that the Rangers either wanted to showcase or still believed in and it wasn't clear which which way that really crumbled for New York uh but in the time that he spent in their craze he's looked like an average NHL goalie which uh you know is pretty good who can go on a hot run here and there Kapo Kakinen over in Minnesota, if Cam Talbot fails, uh, he is an up-and-coming prospect who we'd like to see get a shot and see what he can do. Casey DeSmith, who we talked about, is the flip side to Tristan Jari, if Jari can't hold the job. But I do think that it'll be an uphill battle for DeSmith to actually get a crack at being the number one goalie. And then David Riddick, who has had so many chances to earn our plaudits and praise and finally was given a chance to run with the puck last season and did not take advantage of it, sadly. Season before that was really good uh, when he was splitting time with Mike Smith for whatever reason, uh, but he's also shown to be fairly inconsistent. And while he's been given the name Big Save Dave, those big saves happened few and far between last season. (laughs) It reminds me of my brother who sometimes goes and plays goalie. I wonder if he's going to listen to this show. Uh, But like, you know, he plays sometimes in like rec leagues, whatever, nothing like professional, obviously. But like, uh, he is the kind of guy who like every once in a while he'll make like a really big save and he'll tell me about it and be like Elon like oh you should have seen like, the guy passed it across and I dove and I go hey it was awesome and I'm like nice so how, what was the final score is like oh we lost like 11 to 2 so it's like he made some big saves but also uh you know overall wasn't able to get his team to win and maybe that's what happened with big save Dave uh I feel like also just the big thing with Calgary is they have Markstrom now so like Riddick even like he's lost his chance <laughs> his chance is gone now they markstrom would have to really struggle for him to get another chance and i don't expect that to happen uh yeah of that group cockney is the one i'm most interested in i guess here with these like backups i'm interested in the guys we haven't seen before just because i feel like they they're the ones with the upside so your ettingers and your cockney's are exciting okay next for uh so kevin lankin we've discussed in chicago and if you recall uh the show with i think it was with the one with william nadeau also like lankin could end up being the starter there like who knows like it's delia suban and, and lankin and like sure we've put lankin in here as a backup but i think who knows like 50 percent into the season maybe lankin's the starter uh that said is that even good i don't know chicago looks like they're already doing a rebuild plus now they have news that both kirby doc and jonathan taves are injured so that just makes things worse and worse and makes you less and less interested in having one of their goalies uh billy huso in st louis so yeah if like binnington struggles like it's happened before in st louis that a backup's come in and become a superstar so maybe it could happen with billy huso uh then we have ryan miller and Brian Elliott, who I'll be honest, I would put them in tier seven as backups I'm completely uninterested in. But these are Brian picks. You're you're still interested in Miller and Elliott. I can't imagine myself drafting these guys in any leagues, and they would be nothing more to me than a spot starter. So, but I, I know you're going to say that they've been good recently. Uh, they've been they've had runs of being okay. Uh, I think they could play well enough. Like Ryan Miller has actually been really good <laughs> in his last few seasons. And I like that he resigned in Anaheim recently, right after, by the way, I dared you to name the Anaheim backup and you cleverly noted that they didn't have one. And Brian Elliott has also been uh, at least half decent for two of the last three seasons and plays for a good team in Philly. Uh, and I don't think Carter Hart is going to like be like, he could be given a workhorse workload, but 
I imagine uh, they're going to need Brian Elliott to step in every so often. So as you mentioned, uh, these are the players that we're looking at as guys that we have some interest, uh, who have upside for good numbers. And I think uh, I think those guys that you're making me justify as being that, and Brian Elliott and Ryan Miller have that upside. They don't have the same upside as someone like, I don't know, Vili Husso or Casey DeSmith for like totally taking over the job. But I think... Elliot and Smith, oh, sorry, Elliot and Miller aren't that different from Jack Campbell and Jake Allen. Uh, yeah, well, with Jack Campbell, like, I think it's a little different just because, I don't know, the thing about Anderson being a UFA at the end of the year just, like, is something to me. Maybe you're right about Jake Allen, yeah. But I think Jake Allen is, like, better <laughs> or has the potential to be better than Miller or Elliot. But anyways, whatever. Again, no point arguing about these nothing goalies at the yeah. end that no one's going to draft anyway. Uh, the last two in this tier, uh, Mike Smith. Who I have who, no like, interest in. Yeah, like, just the thing to is, with, to me, he yeah. doesn't belong with Elliot and Miller. Well, I mean, the thing is, I think Mike Smith probably plays more games than Elliot and Miller this year. So yeah. that's what you're going for. And, so and like more I said, bad games than Elliot and Miller. Well, like I said about Koskinen, the thing with Edmonton is whoever's in net has a good chance of winning that game because they have so much firepower. So Smith might be a good guy, especially if your league counts wins. You might be getting the most starts out of him of everyone in this tier. So that's why I have him here and not in tier seven. Uh, and then the last one, I know you also said you have no interest, but Marcus Hogberg in Ottawa. This is mainly because we've already talked Brian, about how you don't have much faith in Matt Murray. And I know the Sens are going to give him a super long leash because they gave him that long contract, but also he has an injury history. So I think it's like not outside of the realm of possibility that Murray goes down or Murray like really struggles. And then Hogberg gets some starts and I'm not saying he'll be great, but like Murray, you know, you might get a lot of saves. Ottawa might be an interesting enough team that you want to run with their goalies getting starts for a while. They could happen with Hogberg. So that's tier six. Tier seven, we've got the rest, right? All the backups that we haven't mentioned yet that clearly we have no interest in. So I'll just run down the list quickly. And you could say, I don't have anything to say about any of them. But we've got Carter Hutton in Buffalo, Chris Drieger or Sam Montembeau in Florida. We'll see who gets the job either way. Like, Florida stinks at deep. Like, we already, like even Bobrovsky. But Drieger to be good. had a 938 save percentage last year. Yeah. So the thing is, like, I just don't see any chance of him getting a lot of starts but yeah maybe there could be an argument to have Drieger higher I'd hope that instead Florida if Florida becomes good then hopefully Bobrovsky is the goalie but yeah so he's there uh, Curtis McElhaney on Tampa Bay which is funny because he's like on Tampa Bay the cup champion he's probably a good stream when he plays but just like to me he's like that's where I'd put like Elliot and Miller like uh, with a McElhaney like he's fine but there's just no chance of any upside because of who the starter is oh yeah same with Laurent Brossois over in Winnipeg same situation because Winnipeg's like a really bad team yeah. also and so that's I- bad what I would say is I would move McElhaney potentially up then yeah, so those two it, guys down. Maybe it's just like a matter of our definition of yeah. why we're interested. We're so really splitting hairs down in the final goalie tier. Yeah, and split. speaking of the final, uh, here's the final goalie in tier seven, Craig Anderson, who just signed with the Washington Capitals. Yeah. And be, unfortunately for Henrik Lundqvist, he's having that heart surgery. And so he's not going to play this year. And obviously we wish him the best. Uh, so it's either going to be Craig Anderson or this other guy, Vitek Vanacek, I guess, are going to fight to be the backup to Ilya Samsonov. So they're there. I don't know. Uh, I, I made a tier X, Brian, by the way, of goalies who like probably aren't going to even play this year or are injured so ben bishop is there alex Stalock. i mean you might as well draft bishop by the way in the last round of your draft if you could stash him in your ir because like i said he might come back by like april so he's not someone to forget uh Stalock, i don't care about uh then we have vanacek in washington who i mentioned and then the, i wanted to also throw out alex nadelkovich as a guy who like we said will be on the taxi squad in carolina and you've heard how little faith i have in petter Morazic. so i think there is always the chance that nadelkovich 
gets some games in this year and we'll see like what he can do so wanted to say his name but brian that's it that's every single goalie and we've put them into tears how are you feeling oh boy uh hopefully a little more exhausted than anyone feels after having listened to that i hope i hope it all made sense i hope you enjoyed our schmore goalies board 2021 it'll be uh several months before we do it again, although last year we actually did a mid-season one. That was wild. Uh, do you want to do a little recap, Elon, before we close it out? Sure. Okay, so here we go. The recap. By the way, you can check all this out. KeepingCarlson.com slash goalies. And it's also linked in the show notes if you somehow forget that very easy URL. So uh, what do we have here? This is going to be long, but okay. I'm going to try well, to do it in, in as few breaths as possible. Oh, okay. I thought we would just alternate tiers. Uh, well, let me try to do as many as I can in my first breath, and then after that, we'll alternate. I'll take over for the second breath. Tier 1, Vasilevsky. Tier 2, Rask, Anderson, Leonard, Hart, Binnington, Hellebuck, Price, Markstrom, Gibson, Chesterkin. Tier 3, Samsonov, Koskinen, Kemper, Allmark, Jari, Talbot, Hudobin, uh, Bobrovsky. 4A, Saros, Grubauer, Merzlikens, Blackwood, Sorokin, Peterson, Peterson, I should say, Demko. 4B, Holtby, Francois, Corposalo, Crawford, Varlamov. 4C, Morazic, Murray. 4A. Oh, okay, stop there. <laughs> 5A, Halak, Ranta, Flurry, 5B, Jones, Dubnik, Rene, Delia, Subban, Grice, Bernier, Quick, Tier 6, Campbell, Allen, Edinger, Reimer, Georgiev, Kakinen, DeSmith, Riddick, Lankinen, Huso, Miller, Elliott, Mike Smith, Hogberg, Tier 7, Hutton, Druidger, Montembeau, McElhaney, Prasois, Anderson, Craig, Tier X, Bishop, Stalock. Vanacek and Nedeljkovic in Tier oh, X. So close. <laughs> Good job. All right. What a, okay, Schmart Goliesborg, always a lot of fun, always a really long show, but thanks everyone for listening to the show. If you're new to Keeping Carlson, like we said at the start, get on board, subscribe. We're going to be giving you fantasy content all season long, starting with a crazy, next week is going to be a crazy, like, non-standard show, where we're going to have, like, a four-hour show, where we're, like, broadcasting the Tier 1 couple auction draft, which is always, like, a gong show in a fun way. So, like, come and join that. Uh, and then the season will start, and we're going to be every single Sunday breaking down all the biggest news of the week, talking about, like, who's hot, who's not, who's injured, like, line changes, all that good stuff. Plus, we're going to have your short shifts episode midweek hosted by ben and lewis so it's going to be a really fun season and we want you on board so subscribe to keeping carlson on your podcast listening device also if you want to support the show we've got our patreon program keeping carlson.com slash patron you get all the info we try to do everything we can to make your five dollars a month of support worthwhile we have our discord community which we worked really hard on to build up and make it fun really special thanks by the way to jeremy v and kevin h who have helped us build up this community. Uh, Kevin, by the way, has also been helping me transfer all of the Kakupful teams over from uh, Fantrax over to Yahoo, which has been a ton of work. So, like, Jeremy and Kevin, like, wow, like love you guys. Thank you for helping our Discord community. And, like, it's it's a blast. So, you become a patron. You get to join in on Discord. Talk to all the patrons. Talk to, obviously, Brian and I were answering any advice questions that people throw out there. Uh, Brian mentioned a patron cast coming up. Uh, like I said, uh, there's still two spots left for the final two Kakupful teams if you want to get in on those. And even if you don't get in on one of those teams, you'll be like number one on the wait list because with a league of over 300 people uh, unfortunately throughout the season there are some people who drop out or become inactive as things go not often but there are always a few so get on the wait list and you'll be able to take over a team probably a month into the year so all of that and more at keepingcarlson.com slash patron but with that once again, congratulations to Nick Eldridge for winning a Keeping Carlson hoodie. Again, get in touch. Hopefully you already did when you heard it at the beginning of the show. Uh, but with that, let's cue the outro music.
And Brian, why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, More Goalies Board 2021, was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons. Logo art by Brandon Weeb. Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Database, and Roto World. I will point out, because I know Eric is listening from Frozen Tools. Brian, you got to update those notes. It's Frozen Tools now, not Frozen Pool. But I think if you go to Frozen Pool or you Google it, you'll still find it. I actually use that a lot for my side of the show prep in terms of finding the values. Eric does a great job there. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. And I'm going to be super stressed out next week because I'm going to be drafting. And I am not yet prepared, but I'm planning to be. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Brian's going to be hosting that, and I think he'll, as always, he'll have some surprises for us next week on our show. But Brian, what should people do until then? Until then, uh, just please remember, if anyone asks you if they can play fantasy hockey with you, the answer is yes, because fantasy hockey is for everyone.